in Delavan. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Bunch of stuff to talk about, as I always say, and a bunch of people to talk to today, actually, as we're live at the second annual Tamra Conference. Jonathan Jurgens, the guy behind everything, is sitting next to me. How are you doing, dude? It's uh, It's been a day. Has uh, it been a day? It's uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, a lot of meeting and greeting and saying hi to people. Let's do it this way. Let's talk about the stuff that's still yet to happen for anybody that's listening right now that wants to hop in their car, come on down to the Paradise Hotel and Casino. We're sitting in the lobby. So you'll come in and say hi to us, and then you'll go into all the stuff happening behind me. Uh, what else can people still get to if they're coming down in the next few hours? So they can still see our demonstrations for weapons demonstration, uh, like uh, automated response to somebody pulling a gun in the uh, lobby. That's kind of cool for people to watch. Yes. And uh, still interact with our vendors who have pretty cool displays set up. Uh, we have evaluating service partners, uh, AI for police, site assessments, infiltrating security, edge analytics and network audio, police response to shooters, communicating with dispatch, and AI for the home are all classes you can attend from 3.30 on until 6. Nice. How many law enforcement uh, people are here? I've seen a lot. Um, I'm not sure the exact tally on it, but we've, I'd say we've That's had a pretty good That's a good amount time. of the attendance there. Okay, yep. cool. And then uh, anybody can really come and learn something. And actually, what you just said a second ago is, is very important. Uh, the weapons demo is really cool. Oh, absolutely. The technology behind that. Um, you and I were talking about this, and we'll get to Hunter Biden in a second because I just happen to have a gun expert with me hanging out live at an event on a day when the son of the president has been charged with three felony counts uh, related to a, a gun. Um, but before we do that, I just want to talk about how significant the technology you're showing off today is to protecting schools, to protecting buildings. All these conversations we have in the world of politics that dovetail into these other places of this is the only way to do it, this is the only way to do it. I, I have to be honest, if, if people, more people are aware of just how um, capable uh, a few pieces of technology are that you can get or see demonstrated right here at the Paradise Hotel and Casino, the amount, because here's the way I should say it. Whenever I've talked to you, you're so confident that we can get through any of these challenges that the world faces. Absolutely. And I've always wondered, man, why is he so confident? And I come here today and I see that stuff and I'm like, oh, it's this is why you're so confident. Right, and your tax dollars and where they're being spent. And this is being spent here locally with people that you can actually talk to, meet. Not yeah. all of these guys are, are mine, like, they own their own companies or they're professionals in the industry. They're police officers. Uh, George McKenna put on a great uh, show this morning, and I've heard nothing but good feedback from um, I mean, I don't make any money off of George. George just does his own thing. We're affiliated because we trust each other. Sure. We're professionals that work together. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit more about how razor thin the capabilities are in the world of it monitoring something. You have someone walking in to a room here in the Paradise Hotel and Casino holding a fake gun. And a camera can zoom in, detect it, set off alarms, lock doors, do everything within a fraction of a second. And that's just one of the many capabilities that seems to be here. Absolutely. And uh, to be honest, to uh, design things to the everyday use, because um, a lot of people, you know, they realize that this is probably not something that will necessarily happen uh, if you look at the statistics of it. But there are everyday uses like slip and fall technology that exists there, loitering technology that exists there. Yeah. We have demonstrations for that, too. Just talk to the vendors. They're happy to show it off yeah. and uh, talk to you about how they can Set it up for your place. All right. So uh, now I'm going to selfishly use you to talk about news of the day. Uh, Hunter, Biden, Hunter Biden has been charged with two counts related to false statements in purchasing a firearm and a third count of illegally obtaining a firearm while acting, well, addicted to drugs. Uh, this is all by a grand jury that indicted him. It's all the same stuff you hear about, you know, essentially the process that has Trump and all the legal challenges. Yeah, it's Trump a grand jury, right? It's a grand jury. It's a grand right? jury. Sure. And then an indictment and stuff. 
So how significant are these three charges, in your opinion? Uh, what's the biggest risk for the uh, the son of our current president? So um, it, it, I'll put it this way. It, it's a huge risk. It's a very significant charge. It's something that if you got charged with, you're going to go away for a while. And if it doesn't happen, then that actually illustrates the problem with gun laws and the reason why writing new ones will not help if we cannot enforce the current ones. Okay, and what's even more important about that, and I think this is something that everyone needs to understand, if you're a gun advocate, if that's even the way to say it, I'm not saying you are or I am, but if that's what someone would say to someone that says, you know, the Second Amendment's a thing and we're supposed to respect it. So if you're a gun advocate, something that I think people don't understand is how strong every legal gun owner feels about throwing the, the book at people who break those laws. The importance of these laws yes. is that if you do something that you shouldn't be. And I heard Mark Lee talk about this just the other day. If someone is caught with an illegal firearm, five years instant sentence should be, you know, a bare minimum in, yeah, the, in a, just our them. own community. Yeah, exactly. Increase the penalties for committing crimes right. with guns. Yeah, the people who advocate on a side of an argument about something else are not people that think that these laws aren't important. These laws don't have value. These laws don't protect us from those who shouldn't have a firearm in the first place. Right. Criminals are going to do criminal things. And that's, <laughs> that's what we're here for today. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what else is going on. Um, what have you guys uh, already displayed so far today? What are some of the reactions you're getting, some of the stuff? A lot of people are really happy with the classes that they're taking. Uh, they're getting a lot of good information. Uh, they can take it back to their home. They can take it back to their business. They can take it back to their school boards, talk cool. to the right people about what they should be listening to and, and try to get the right yeah. information implemented so that they can have a good security plan because it's not just equipment here. yeah um you know the biggest uh, thing i would say and please correct me if i'm wrong or change it however you want to, to the basic goal of today of the totality of today is just to get more people educated on all the different aspects that we probably don't know I, there's things that i see today that i'm like how many people every day are aware that this is a thing out there that's right a, capable of, of doing this or doing that how about it, that bulletproof film that you have the bull, you yeah. yeah okay uh anyone uh since i know this is radio and you're just listening anyone that comes down here can pick up this little piece of film that can be applied to say a window a glass door anything yep. it turns something that is not bulletproof into something that is bulletproof and it, it seems like the easiest it's it's barely any harder than say something i would be putting up as wallpaper in my house that people tint their windows all the time it's probably a lot harder to do right yeah exactly and that's that's just one aspect is that a a cost-effective way for uh, someone to, to protect something? It's a great step. Um, you have a lot of tools in the toolbox to use, and some of those tools are going to require training for personnel, uh, sure. changing the mindset of the building. Um, we can't be completely oblivious all the time to threats that are around us, but we can train people to see those. Yeah. Well, uh, we can use systems to kind of augment that. Well, and one other thing, I just want to touch on this because I know you mentioned it a second ago, and we're going to take a break, and we're going to bring on uh, one of many of the people who are actually, you know, displaying things here. Uh, we got Bill Dow coming up in just a second from Westell. Um, mm -hmm. But before we do that, you said that um, one of the, like, core aspects, one of the most important things about everything that's going on here, about all the things that, that people are learning is that there there are these capabilities, there are these, you know, um, uh, things. It just takes a little investment and a little bit of, accepting that no matter how small the risk is of something happening, that not taking the steps to protect yourself from it is what we hear constantly when there's these horrible, you know, natural or whatever they are, things that occur in our society where people say, man, I wish I had taken that step after the fact. So we hear about the consequences of that. And I will say that uh, Danny and his, uh, one of the Tazewell County guys, uh, he had a class this morning and he talked about that. Um, so far, the only people that seem to be responding to the threats that are out there are the police and first responders. But I will say that training is starting to get better where we're seeing more wounded as opposed to killed 
That comes down to stop the bleed classes and learning how to do first aid, knowing how to respond to threats. So as long as we're getting this information out there, we're starting to trend in the right direction. Yeah. You know what's crazy, too, is things like the DeMar Hamlin situation tell people you need to know basic CPR, just yes. basic first aid things. All right. right. We well, had that class, too. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Way to go. A quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WM With Relief Factor. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Jonathan Jurgens hanging out with me. We're live at the second annual Tamra Conference. All about ways to protect you, ways to protect your building, your people, um, pretty much everything in a world in which things are crazier and crazier by the day. Uh, our next guest sitting down with us and knows a lot of things about technology, a lot of things about um, just how to you know implement uh, certain versions of communication networks. Uh, that sounds complicated to me. Bill Dow is going to make it very easy. Bill Dow from West Dow. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what you guys do. So Westell is based out of Aurora, Illinois, uh, Illinois-based company, and we make RF amplifiers. So we allow first responders that uh, have two-way radios on their hips as part of their standard equipment to talk inside commercial buildings. Wow. Okay. Jonathan, tell me how much uh, help this is to you guys and what you guys do. Uh, so we've had like uh, school in this area that uh, they had no communication, for example, uh, prior to a, a Motorola tower going up, and we were going to implement um, Westel's solution for that. And uh, as a result of scanning and trying to put that together, uh, local authorities were very interested in trying to start implementing that everywhere else because gotcha. obviously communication is huge. And yeah. uh, we really learned that, especially on 9-11, which obviously we just uh, hate to say the word celebrated, but, you know. Uh, sure, yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird thing to call it an anniversary, man. Yeah, I, I hate right. that word. Yeah, I would like to use something else. Um, all right, uh, tell me a little bit more about some of the maybe basic things that people ask you about, some of the basic confusions in the world you live in. Sure. So uh, the tendency in building construction today is to build buildings that are energy efficient. Uh, energy efficiency with like e-glass and thicker walls and, and so forth that, that contains heat uh, and keeps out uh, sun rays and keeps buildings cool in the summer, those are like kryptonite to RF. So radio frequency is reflected off of e-glass, for example. So we need a way for first responders to come to a scene, whether it be a EMT or a policeman or a fireman, to come to a scene and be able to not have their radio stop working when they walk indoors. Yeah. So we pick the signal out of the air that is there um, on the outside of the building and bring it in, amplify it, distribute it throughout the building so that everywhere in the building the radios will work. I feel like there's going to be a theme today, uh, as I talk to everybody, and I keep talking to you, Jonathan, too, of um, you don't know how important this is till the moment you don't have it in a situation where you're in. So is this something that you wind up talking to a lot of people after the fact, whether it is a fire department or a police department or someone responded to a scene, had a challenge here, and you say, of course, we can help you in that scenario. And what we're really trying to do today, what really a lot of this conference is built around, is educating everyone else who's never seen the risk of this in their own life or, or through some sort of experience with whatever it is uh, the company is or the you know organization it is that you work with and letting them know that this is a potential risk this is a thing we see all the time and you need to be you know at the forefront of preventing it it is one of the if you go back to 911 one of the issues was the fire uh, uh, 
people could not talk out of those buildings. It was an issue at 9-11, and everything, every innovation comes from a need, so that need was created. Yeah. Well, where did, how did you get into this in the first place? Well, I was in the two-way radio business for a long, long time. Okay. Um, and then I, I left and ran a uh, national association of two-way radio dealers. And then a friend of mine was the CEO of Westel, and he said, would you come help me start this business? So I was one of the first two people. You know, Mike had the West, I had the East. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> and, and we developed the business from the ground up. Wow. How many people are there now? Uh, we have on our team. We have twelve. Okay. And um, and we call on um, local integrators yeah. to uh, sell the product. You know what's funny about that? As I'm thinking about it, is you used to do everything that twelve people do, essentially, right? That that was all your job. The job of twelve. Pretty. And now much. you're looking at it. You're like, okay, you're doing this part. You're doing this part now. I can understand you in some ways in some of the things that you do in the world of radio too. So that's fantastic. Oh, make any- no mistake, he's, in, he's impossible to get a hold of. <laughs> he will call you back, but okay. good luck on the first yeah, try. He's very busy right at the <laughs> first. Very busy. Do you have any other questions for him, Jonathan? No, no. He's, he's been a huge asset to ours. Um, look forward to continue to using him in the future. Um, we've got him implemented uh, in one of our solutions right now. So as soon as that building's ready to go up, we will uh, cool. see it play out. Bill, do you mind telling me a little bit about what Tamara's doing? How you how you feel about Tamara? Sure. Uh, they um, uh, absolutely discover they're close to their customers, and they discover the needs, and they identify them, and they match the solution to the need. I really like the way they their process is. Well, and actually, yeah, that's a great uh, thing to talk about for just a second, because uh, you and I have talked about this a bunch off the air, Jonathan. <laughs> um, right now, if you're listening to my show, and you're like, man, this sounds like an infomercial. Craig's doing a lot of stuff about everything that's going on with Tamara. Um, the reason why is not that Either one of us is trying to make any money off of this. I'm actually going to make no money off of I'm this. I'm losing money today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to talk. We didn't have to make that public. Uh, but that's awesome uh, that you guys are that committed. Uh, the truth is that the educational component is so important to so many people. It is the most valuable aspect of, of all of this. And, and getting the information out there, getting you know the, um, the uh, right way to do something versus the way that's going on right now, it all is, is built on trust. Yes. And so uh, one thing that I want to do, and one thing that I hope uh, the people listening to the show every day feel like they can trust me, feel like they know who I am, I trust you, I've, I'm trusting all the people that I'm meeting today, that it's not about trying to create a scenario where I'm trying to find every avenue to make as much money as possible off of somebody. Right. The truth is I'm trying to find what actually gives you the thing you're asking for, whether you're asking for safety, the ability to communicate at a time when communication is difficult, Whatever it might be. Sometimes it's just identifying the things you didn't know. Right. So talk to me a little bit about how that trust is developed between you, uh, Bill, uh, as well, and these individuals that are coming to you saying, hey, I need this solution or that solution. And maybe sometimes looking at it with a little bit of sticker shock, like, whoa, that's what it costs to get what I'm actually asking for? Yeah, sometimes we get that a lot. Uh, relatively recently, actually, uh, put something out there. It's like, oh, that's going to be $100,000, and you just hear the oxygen leave the room. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it comes down to, like, these are the components. This is the truth of the matter. This is how things operate. And I'll tell you one thing um, that's always been a, a pretty good litmus test for me is, is seeing the passion that people have for the things that they believe sure. in and what they represent. Do you have any success stories? Is there a success story we can share? It doesn't have to be specific. You can leave out names if you want to of something that happened, of a, of a situation that occurred where exactly what you're saying was needed was needed, and it saved the day? Sure. We had an incident in a, um, in a jail in a major city in Michigan, and uh, one of the guards was hurt and couldn't call out. And they called in the, the radio people and said, 
hey, I got this problem with my radios, what do I do? And that particular integrator was a two-way radio company, uh, brought in a Westall solution, and now those guards can talk wherever they are in a jail. Wow. Jails, so, jails and, and hospitals are built like Fort Knox. Right. Now, right. Go ahead, but it's another one of those situations where, where it wasn't until someone actually had to experience the pain to get to the point where you're finding the solution. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Correct. Well, um, that's awesome. Uh, the technology itself is important. People, come down here. This is going on until 6 o'clock. Uh, there might be some secret things we talk to talk about around 5 o'clock, but come on down here now. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually know. getting ready to give a class on how to infiltrate and break through security. Really? So, yeah, that starts hurry, at 4? When does that start? Uh, it starts at 3.30. Okay, so. 3.30. Yeah, uh, get here right now then. Uh, teleport here if you can't uh, make it quicker. And honestly, like, hit the casino right after. It'll be fun. A uh, quick break, a lot more. This is Craig Collins, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. That's an AM. That's an FM. But if you want to hear us on... You know, anything other than a radio, we're on other stuff, too. Uh, get your smart speaker, say, play WMBD Radio, and you'll hear Will Stevenson live and local in our WMBD Radio Newsroom. Craig, the federal government is still facing oh, a shutdown at the end great. of September if a divided Congress can't pass funding bills. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's optimistic House Republicans can pass their appropriations bills and avoid a government shutdown. My goal is to pass all 12, if we can't pass all 12, but to get into conference. Getting into conference is better for the American public that they can see what has gone through committee. It's stronger to pass on the floor. A conference committee means the House and Senate getting together to reconcile their two different versions of the same bill. Members of the House Freedom Caucus say they want to cut spending for the 2024 fiscal year by roughly $120 billion. That's below what President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy agreed to when they raised the nation's debt limit earlier this year. And we'll get back to that story later. If TJ can hear me in the newsroom, I think he's missing a cut. Uh, nonetheless, firefighters and paramedics had to free the driver of an SUV involved in a rollover accident last night in Peoria's East Bluff. A fire official said the SUV had a parked car, then rolled on its side just before 10 p.m. near the intersection of East Maywood and North Atlantic. Crews stabilized the SUV and cut into the roof to get the driver out. He was taken to OSF St. Francis Medical Center. His condition was not available. Now that cleanup is complete, the future of the Pekin Township office will need to be discussed. The building's south and west walls collapsed last week on the 418 Elizabeth Street side. A good portion of the building is still standing, but Pekin Chief Building Inspector Nick McQuette says there's still plenty to be concerned about. There are some other structural cracks, um, roof concerns, issues that are still there, um, as well as some other code violations we found inside. So. These items will have to be addressed, plus whatever, you know, uh, repairs that the structural engineer may have for the building. McQuatt says because of that, the portion of the building still standing is still deemed dangerous and uninhabitable. He says another inspection will be completed by tomorrow. It's also the day for a meeting between Pekin City and township leaders to assess what to do next with the building. More at WMBDRadio.com. WMBD News is brought to you by Oberlander Electric. For all your 24-7, 365 electrical needs, including solar power and generators, call or go to OberlanderElectric.com. Trusted name in central Illinois. And lift your day.
1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I am live at the Paradise Hotel and Casino. i just sitting in the lobby of the hotel. I would love for people to come over and say hi to me. I'm actually at uh, Tamara's second annual um, conference. Uh, there are training classes going on throughout the day until 6 o'clock. Uh, there's uh, a weapons protection demonstration uh, going on as well in which you can uh, walk in and see uh, what a uh, security system is all about. There's actually three different companies involved in creating that system to protect you, to protect anyone, in case a threat were to, say, walk in the front door of some sort of building, like a school. Uh, that is one of many things going on today, one of many things you can see and interact with as far as um, the, the you know, uh, Tamra's uh, conference and the, the second annual version of just trying to educate the public on all the different opportunities and things available uh, in the world of protecting yourself, protecting your building, protecting your staff, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, some other things out there that I thought were kind of just fun, and let's call them a palate cleanser, uh, before we get back to some more important news a little bit later on. Um, but a couple of those things that, um, you know, um, uh, for whatever reason are just things that people talk about all the time. Work-life balance is one of them. I saw a Wall Street Journal article about this. I have a friend that talks about this constantly. I think he even had a podcast that was called Work-Life Balance. I don't know how well it took off. I don't know how many people listened to it. Um, but that feels like a phrase you didn't even really hear uh, up until a few years ago. Uh, but it is a trend uh, that means one of two things. It means that work is at work and home is at home. And so socializing is actually the way in which people balance their work and their life uh, by not doing it, especially young people. Uh, they say that young people are tremendously unlikely to go grab a drink after work, uh, to hang out with uh, coworkers beyond work hours. And I actually think that's why, and this is something I talked about a little bit before, um, more and more companies, especially companies that uh, hire mostly younger professionals, try to make the office seem like a place that's much more social. And I think with it, you bring some of the social problems that exist in those scenarios um, in order to uh, not necessarily uh, ask anyone to do anything beyond uh, the hours of the workday to build that rapport, to build whatever uh, the staff needs to build in order to have successful um, day-to-days. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, the draw of food and drinks isn't enough to convince people to do things. The pandemic taught people to be less reliant on going to restaurants uh, and other things uh, is also in here in the Wall Street Journal's article. So they're saying there's a lot of reasons now, and mostly generational, but others, uh, that more and more people are not doing certain things in that world. Uh, beyond that, uh, a new perfume is out there, and I, I love this new perfume. I think this is kind of hilarious. It's going to smell like the Yellow Pages. Uh, apparently people who are sad about the nostalgia aspects of uh, not having Yellow Pages anymore, not having the giant phone book and being able to interact with that, I uh, would love to spray it on your significant other and smell the Yellow Pages uh, when you're going out to dinner or something. I don't know. Uh, by the way, there's a description of what the Yellow Pages smells like, uh, and I think most people would object to this, because I don't remember this as a child cracking open the book if you sniffed it, which feels a little weird to say now. I don't think I did that. And thinking it smelled like a rich, woody scent of cedar, musk, and sweet vanilla. Uh, but that's what's in the Yellow Pages perfume that's out there in the world. A British company uh, is creating it. Uh, actually, I just had a few buddies of mine sit down that are just joining us at the uh, Tamara conference. I got Eric Thurman from the VFW in Peoria Heights sitting down. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, really good. Uh, glad to see you. And then also we have your friend sitting down here, too, who I've talked to a couple times, Terrence. Terrence, how are you doing, man? Doing wonderful, brother. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Um, real quick, just because I'm tempted because you're both sitting down, you gave me a challenge coin yesterday. I don't need to tell the audience why. It's the first <laughs> military challenge coin anyone's ever given me as a gift. And I held it, and I'm like, this is, this is cool. This is so crazy. Can you tell anybody who's not familiar the significance of what a challenge coin is? Basically, during World War II... Uh, during the Battle of the Bulge, the uh, SS soldiers were killing American soldiers and taking their uniforms. 
generals decided to, the only way they could tell the difference between the German soldiers and the American soldiers was giving them a challenge coin. So every time they would come up, they question them, and they ask them for the password. They show them the challenge coin. Wow! And basically, they had started a tradition of the challenge coins. The challenge coins. You know what's crazy about it, and it's only because of my friendship with uh, Eric Thurman that I know so much about them now. You guys collect them, both of you do, mm-hmm. and there's so many challenge coins out there oh, in the yeah. world now. And I know your eyes light up a lot, Eric, when you talk about this. Uh, you have some pretty fancy ones. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, What's yeah. one of the fanciest ones you have at your arsenal? My top one, line one right now is my Camp David Presidential uh, Communication. Your Camp David Presidential Communication yeah, challenge right. coin. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty top notch. It's yeah. hard to beat that when you go okay. to do a challenge. Yeah, so that's the other thing that you guys do now. So you'll all put the challenge coins down on a table together and see who has the, the highest ranking one. Yep, and right. that guy okay. gets, he doesn't have to pay for nothing at the bar. <laughs> That lower so guy, I hope up. he brought his money. Where's my, where's my coin at? How, how high up is it? is it? Am I paying for a lot of drinks or am I not paying for a lot of drinks? I will tell me that after the air. All right, um, we've got to take a break in just a little bit. I'm glad to have both you guys here. Uh, we're going to have more conversations with some of the uh, people behind Tamara as well. Uh, before I take a break, though, I am tempted to ask two military dudes one other thing. Um, um, did you see that uh, Hunter Biden was charged with felonies today? Three felony charges, all gun-related, all for lying uh, or being addicted to drugs. While asking for a gun, while applying to uh, get a weapon, it's about time, right? <laughs> it's about it time. took long enough. It took long enough. It's about time feels like one of the answers to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was talking to Jonathan, who's a gun expert and a security expert, and I, I want to talk to you guys as military. How important are the laws that surround guns in our society? Not in creating new ones, not in all those conversations that I think are flawed in politics, but in throwing the book at someone who's breaking a law the way that Hunter Biden did. Well, it's very important. I mean, we all fought, fought for a, a specific reason. We have the Constitution that's in line, and we fought for the Constitution. Yeah. All those laws need to maintain. Yes. And it's very important because the, the reason behind those laws is what we fought for. Are you offended when people break these laws? Is this something that makes you mad? It, it, it angers me because it, it, it makes it harder for those yeah. law-abiding citizens. Does it make you angry when it's not just the fact that someone breaks the law, but someone like Hunter Biden might be able to get away with it scot-free for a while? <laughs> I love that yeah. Terrence, your wife, is standing next to you and nodding her head so hard she almost <laughs> broke her neck. I think. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly, exactly, because she agrees 100%. Right, yeah. Exactly. And it's because of the political elements of that that yes. makes it so angry. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's one other thing I was thinking of. It's not related to military or guns at all. Uh, another person who's out there in the news a lot right now is Oprah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this a week or so ago. Her and The Rock asked people to donate funds to Maui, and uh, people got mad because Oprah's worth billions of dollars. The Rock is worth multi-millions of dollars, and they said, why don't you guys uh, donate more money? Uh, Oprah was on, I think it was Day Show or something the other day. I think she was. She talked show. about being yeah. a victim. She talked yeah. about how she yeah. was very upset at the vitriol that's surrounding her now. I think that might have been a misstep. That's just me. Well, the thing is, she should be leading leading by example. I mean, if she yeah. put down, right let's there. say she put on $100 million, then ask yeah. Yeah. to help with some of the residual, I think that would be received a lot better than what happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, someone just sent me a text message, and I love this text message a lot. Uh, it's not about any of the political things we're talking about. It's actually about the conference we're at right now. I'm at the Tamra Conference, which is the Paradise Hotel and Casino, uh, and they're asking me what is... Uh, Tamara, uh, well, it's a brilliant question, a wonderful question, and a question I'm about to answer just after, see this at tease now, just after this commercial break. I could do it myself, uh, but we actually have the founder of Tamara who's putting on the conference today, uh, Jonathan Jurgens, who's going to sit down with another one of the people who's uh, displaying some of the technology and information that you should come and learn more about uh, just after the news. Uh, it's 4 o'clock, though, so Will Stevenson takes over first. AM radio, it's 1470, FM 100.3. 
all over the internet, WMBDRadio.com. This is the Craig Collins Show. Come. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. Let's get into it, though. Uh, the um, son of the current president of the United States, which I've said for a while is a bigger story than anything going on with the former president, not because I'm trying to be one-sided about it, because the person is currently in office, and this is someone who, as Hunter Biden, is attending a bunch of the things that the president has been at. He he goes to state dinners. He's, he's in... Uh, way more events than, say, would a typical just family member of someone in this position be. So it's fascinating to see how this all plays out. But three felony charges. Our president spoke today, and one of the uh, more humorous moments, I thought, uh, is when he said he wishes he could answer more questions. But doggone it, he'd get in trouble if he actually uh, decided to go ahead and answer all the questions he wants to answer. You're the president, sir. I feel like you can do whatever you want. Let me close with this. And there's a lot more I know we could talk about. I wish I had a chance to take all your questions, but I'm going to get in real trouble if I do that. <laughs> I'm going to get in real trouble if I take all your questions is the answer that uh, Biden gave to no one. No one was asking him anything. Actually, that's not true. A whole bunch of people yelled out a whole bunch of stuff. He just ignored it. Mr. President. Mr. President. <laughs> Sir. Sir. I'm over here. I mean, you can hear me. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. Hold on, keep going. Mr. President, you have a platform full of reporters. <laughs> Mr. President, you have a platform full of reporters. Mr. President, do you have any message about your son today? Is how that continues. And he's just like shaking hands. I'm ignoring stuff. Uh, maybe he turns the hearing aid off. I'm not really sure. But that's what happened. I want to shift gears. I think this is pretty interesting, too. Uh, Donald Trump sat down with Megyn Kelly. Of course, they're somewhat famous, both of them, for an interaction that happened uh, when Trump was campaigning to be president. Uh, Megyn Kelly asked him a question. Donald Trump sort of famously responded with only Rosie O'Donnell as far as uh, mean things he said about women specifically. Uh, before I get to anything that everyone else is saying is like the news uh, element of Megyn Kelly and Trump back and forth, I thought that was really interesting, that Trump tried to hold her accountable for that question. And she pushed back on him, looked him in the face and smiled and said, it was a great question. I asked a great question. I thought that was one of the most um missed but must-listen moments of the entire interaction. You asked me a question when you were moderating the debate for Fox that, frankly, if I didn't come up with the answer only Rosie O'Donnell, I would have had a problem with that. That was a bad question. That was a great question. That, no, it was a nasty it question. Was awesome. You know, there are questions that are, it's not that they're not answerable, but no matter, if you're Winston Churchill, he was very good at the You data. handled it well, your poll numbers went up. I'm not Let's saying that. No, I got a little bit lucky. I came up with it. Okay, I want to stop it right there. You know what the more interesting thing I thought happened after that exchange? A whole bunch of people in social media said that Megyn Kelly sold out. At the tail end there, when she says, you answered it well, your poll numbers went up, let's move on. Uh, people are actually saying that she was kissing up to the former president and saying it that way. I don't think that's true at all. I think what Kelly was doing is accepting the idea that she's a reporter in that moment or um, at least a moderator for a debate, that her intention is to ask questions, to get people to answer questions, and to allow the American people to decide what they think of the question and the answer. And if it worked for Trump, that's irrelevant then. Uh, no one else uh, matters. No one else cares. Her own ego, her own pride, any of that stuff. So I don't mean to be like overly um, uh, trying to compliment uh, Megyn Kelly, but I, I really am sort of amazed uh, that she could have been mad at every all the fallout of that that Trump wins the interaction where you're challenging him most, and uh, she's the one trying to tell Trump to move on from it. Now, there were several other moments in this 
that are, to me, and I, I want to preface this before I start uh, talking about it a lot, uh, something that really matters in the world of President Trump, uh, former President Trump, trying to appeal to people that think they could never vote for him, would never punch a ticket for him, the suburban house mom, if you will, that you always hear that conversation. Uh, these are on two specific issues that actually DeSantis is now very much going after Trump for the way he answered them, uh, talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci and talking about the vaccine itself and how successful the vaccine was and how Trump was the person who created Operation Warp Speed, which made uh, the vaccine available. At least he was in the office at the time. There are a lot of people who don't like this on the aisle, on the side of the aisle uh, that Trump is on. And, and he, to me, it's very interesting, is sort of, it seems like every time he talks about this, deciding whether or not he wants to eventually actually brag more about his role in the creation of a vaccine that a whole lot of people are upset about or, or whatever it is. And Megyn Kelly really presses him there. But in my opinion, and this is not trying to be super pro-Trump, I know that people are hearing that, and I promise that's not where this is coming from. In my opinion, this is a moment where Trump is demonstrating that he is very confident he has the support of conservatives, of the right, of whatever you want to call it, and he's looking for support of others, especially people who are saying Joe Biden has been a train wreck and I can't possibly vote for him. And what's interesting as I say all this is I think most people would be convinced there's no way that could happen. There's no way that Trump could ever convince someone who knows he's a big pile of whatever uh, that he's actually someone you could punch a ticket for. Let's see what you think after I play this. But I have people on the other side. I don't not my side, although probably there's some on my side, too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people. You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that, too. But, yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates, and people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision. As far as I'm concerned, now some places had mandates, very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors, and probably some Republicans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are Democrats that say, "Why aren't you talking about that?" It's one of the they really believe strongly. One said, "You say," and this is very smart people. They said, you saved 100 million people worldwide. Now, I'm going to stop it right there. So that's Megyn Kelly trying to push Trump with the narrative being that people are upset at the creation of the vaccine, at what she says are, are vaccine-injured individuals, all of that, uh, which is a easily um, conservative, you're on one side of that argument. If you're uh, liberal, you're on the other side of that argument uh, wholeheartedly. And it seems as though a lot of the people that are competing against Trump believe that this will truly hurt him. And it might. You can text me. You can let me know if you think that this is a, a big misstep, if you're a supporter of, of President Trump, if you're uh, someone who hates him, I go ahead, uh, reach out as well, 309-340-4464. I wonder if you care at all about this. Uh, but the reality to me is, and the most fascinating part to me, is that I think the objective has changed. I think that whoever is behind the campaign for the uh, former president is telling him that the best way uh, to be the most convincing uh, on his side of the aisle or in general is to try to rebrand himself as as insane as that sentence might sound uh, because I was saying this to a friend of mine earlier uh, Trump is the face of the far right to a lot of people that are not on the right or maybe just slightly on the right however you want to say it in the middle uh, now this is also the other big question this is about Dr. Anthony Fauci and why he wasn't fired for years you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time that you would have taken heat that it would have created a firestorm quoting your words 
Then for the first time well, in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task. You think so? That he was <laughs> at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that... You actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Oh, presidential commendation. One went I know. off the mark. Somebody probably handed him a commendation. He probably. But let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect. All right. So, again, uh, this is something that's really interesting to me, because if you uh, live in certain worlds in politics or you look at a lot of the data or just listen to people and the way in which they talk, it's a very easy uh, road to go to say that Fauci's, you know, a big pile of crap and I should have fired him or whatever, whatever you'd say there uh, to appease those who think that that was the right decision. And, of course, that's what DeSantis says all the time is I would have fired him and I've been in charge to go this road to say these things, to say that he was respected. He lost respect during covid for a lot of people on the side of the aisle. But he was is, again, interesting to me as far as moves that Trump is making right now. Uh, that seemed to be, and I felt the same thing about the Tucker Carlson interview, and I said it right here on this radio station, that there were a lot of moments where you thought uh, they were going to go one way. Tucker Carlson asked Trump if he thought he was going to be murdered, um, if he thought someone, a political adversary, was going to kill him. And that's a very easy moment for someone to feed the hunger of the radical right side and say, absolutely, I'm afraid of that. And that wasn't the road he went. Instead, he went the road of, I uh, know, uh, Democratic voters are good people. I don't like the politicians on that side. I'm paraphrasing what he said. But anyway, I find this very interesting. And it's actually probably the most fascinating thing in the world of politics to me right now, other than what sort of penalties Hunter Biden actually uh, winds up um, having for the felony charges that actually were indicted indictments today. Uh, and the reason why I think it's so fascinating is, can anyone in politics reinvent themselves at all, especially to the people who most dislike them? Because Trump is going to attempt, in my opinion, to answer that question. Can he do it or can't he do it? And we will see. Uh, we will see if uh, any of that data seems to show that this is having an effect or if people aren't paying attention at all at this point to these moments. But there's more of them that I can play. And there's a lot of people in certain spaces of media saying that this was a huge misstep uh, for the former president. And it will actually hurt him uh, with the uh, core audience uh, that has supported him for so long. I'm also curious to see if that actually occurs. All right. Quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. And get 10% off. 1470, 100.3, WMED. It's the Craig Collins Show. I am live at the Tamra Second Annual Conference at the Paradise Hotel and Casino, sitting right in the lobby. Uh, you can come down here, hit the casino for a little bit, win or lose money, I don't know, and then come over and be like, Collins! And then I'll probably just leave in the last hour of the show and just go join you in the casino, because if one of us lose money, it's not fun. If two of us do it, that's way more fun. Uh, instead of that, though, actually, first we'll talk to Jonathan Jurgens again from Tamra, the founder of it. I got a text message about 15 minutes ago. Uh, from a listener that was like, can you tell me what Tamra means, what it stands for? And I was like, no, you have to listen for 15 more minutes and then Jonathan will do it. Jonathan, what is Tamra? Uh, it's the Threat Assessment Mitigation and Response Association. And uh, our mission 
uh, is to come together as a bunch of companies and professionals and vendors uh, to provide the best solutions at a reasonable price and things that you specifically need. Um, we've all vetted each other. We all work with each other. We all trust one another. We want to make sure that uh, you get what we have to offer. The reason for uh, Tamra, the existence of Tamra, and then uh, a colleague of yours, a friend of yours, another company that helps you guys succeed in what you do, uh, we'll be jumping on in a second with us too, is because of how many different variables come into play when people are asking for solutions to whatever their problems are? Is that why you needed that sort of uh, communication or that connection for all these different um, pieces of your you know, solution? Ironically, it, it became um, so like Sandy Hook happened on my birthday. I kind of explained this uh, a couple of times on the radio. And um, I wanted to do something for active shooters, and then that led me to a company that trains um, uh, in, in how to respond to active shooters and, and what to do. And then that led us down to a road of people that are asking us both to do things together, which led to another, you know, uh, meeting of, of the minds, as it were. And yeah. next thing you know, it's like we're on the radio and people are asking us in <laughs> volume. And I'm like, okay, well, we should probably have just an organization to send everybody to so that they have one stop. Sure. where we can direct them where they need to go for information. Cool. Uh, so let's bring him in. Andy Cooper is the name of our other guest here. He's with Axios Communications. How are you doing, man? I'm good, Craig. Thanks for having me on. What are you guys? Uh, let's do that version first. Give me the elevator pitch to what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So Axios Communications, is uh, we're a manufacturer of network technology, um, kind of the market leader in IP and network video. Okay. Uh, we also have some other network products that uh, the main slogan of Axios is to innovate for a smarter safer world so gotcha. you know the the founders of the ip camera back in the mid 90s were also d constantly innovating our product line to to find new ways to make it more proactive and more useful for our client base okay so what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in what you do is it the rapidly changing world of technology yeah absolutely i mean things are things are moving at a, a an incredible pace right now as far as different technology we're talking about analytics constantly and different ways to utilize that video product or or, or notify people in advance of something happening or, or while it's happening mm -hmm. rather than coming in, you know, the next Monday morning after a weekend and trying to review video. We're trying to make things more proactive. You know, I, I just thought of a different thing because we're going to sit down with a lot of people that work with Tamara and a lot of people that you're working with, Jonathan, and mm -hmm. I kind of want to do it this way now. What's the most impressive thing to you about what they do? Uh, they they are, are the most responsive company that I've ever worked with. Uh, they work hand-in-hand -hand with every idea that I come up with, and I try to innovate new concepts consistently and uh every time i come up with an idea man they just want to hear all about it so okay and these are brand new things that you've never been challenged to do before sometimes yeah is he like your steve jobs yeah. <laughs> he's like he comes up this. with some good ones i'll tell you that yeah <laughs> what do you guys like about working with jonathan uh honestly i love their mission right so i mean they're they're huge on getting the word out and educating their mm -hmm. customer base and uh often you know you find people are buying product that maybe maybe isn't a good fit for them and that's where where these guys really come into play and they try to make an, uh, a fully educated customer before they sell them something why are we buying stuff product. that we don't need what, what are we doing there are we just going on the internet ourselves i'm blaming myself in this situation too uh it's like you're searching you're finding that's the a thing. small part you're that's finding the thing part. that's cheaper on amazon and buying that or what yeah i mean i think it's with good intent Sure. But, uh, you know, utilizing the equipment to the best of the ability, right? I mean, that's that's a big key of that. Sure. And, there, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution, and, and that's really key to this. And I think Jonathan talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, 
we have to bring different entities together sometimes to get a full solution. Yeah. You know, we might not be the one size fits all shop, but we have partner companies that we work with and, and through our installing partners we can come up with a total solution that way. Cool. Uh, before I let you guys go, anything else important that we should know about anything going on for the next couple hours involving you guys, involving uh, Jonathan, any of that? We still have classes going on, guys. Uh, there's uh, a lot to learn here. There's some really cool stuff to see. Uh, it's worth at least stopping by and, and being able to take back to your school, to your business, uh, even to your home, uh, some things that are being offered here today. Yeah. Uh, we still got two hours left. As I said, I'm sitting in the lobby of the Paradise Hotel and Casino, the hotel part. If you come over and say hi, I might even put people on the radio. I'm not sure. Ask them why they came down and what they're looking to learn. And then Jonathan might take you into classroom, teach you a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we'll take a quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Thomas. With Relief Factor. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I am live, as I keep saying, at the Paradise Hotel and Casino right in the lobby of the Paradise Hotel and Casino, the hotel part. You can come in and say hi to me, and if you want, you can also attend the second annual Tamra Conference uh, by going behind me, buying some tickets, and uh, learning some stuff, or seeing some uh, technology on display, all kinds of things you can do, but you can just swing in and say hi if you want to, wave to me from the front door, and uh, that'll be fun. I might even have some tchotchkes to give away to people if you actually do that. I want to play a little bit of audio first in the world of news, and then we're going to move on to some sillier stuff. Um, uh, Anderson Cooper asked uh, Nancy Pelosi if she thinks that Kamala Harris is the right running mate for the President of the United States, and the answer was not convincing. Let's just say it that way. Here we go. Is Vice President President Kamala Harris the best running mate for this president? He thinks so, and that's what matters. (laughs) And by the way, she's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. Uh, some people might doubt that that's actually true about her, but I thought that was interesting. The first part of that answer is uh, he he thinks so. That's fine. And I think Anderson Cooper goes back. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Nancy. I think Anderson Cooper goes back one more time for a second round and gets a second very noncommittal answer. Good. Did her politics and became attorney general. So don't people shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table. Do you think she is the, the best? <laughs> By the way, I got to stop it again. I really like in the world of just regular media, regular reporters, any of that situation, uh, when you try to ask the question a second time because you know you didn't get the answer you were looking for, or really much of an answer to all of your question the second time, uh, or the first time, excuse me, you go through it. And I, you can hear that in the way Anderson Cooper uh, goes through it a second time. Table. Do you think she but, uh, is the, the best? <laughs> Running mate, though? You, you, she's the vice president of the United States. So when people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. Yeah, you still didn't answer the question, Nancy Pelosi. You still didn't tell us what you actually think there. I wonder how frustrating that is in the world of just, like, think about that in your own life. Uh, what po- politicians do and other people do, and, well, reporters, a lot of them do it, too. Uh, but how you would uh, feel if someone wasn't answering a question in front of you, and you asked them, like, three or four times, you're like, yeah, but yeah, what's the answer? You'd think they were broken. You'd think there was something like wrong uh, with a human being that's just doing it to you in a one-on-one. And yet that's what we accept all the time in the world of, well, that's the politician giving the political answer, and it's fine. Let's go ahead and move on. All right. Another thing out there, a thing I really like that's definitely sillier and not serious, is a dude who threw a, quote, perfect beer can pass. Uh, this guy is a Cleveland Browns fan, and I guess now getting inducted into the Cleveland Brown Fan Hall of Fame. You might have to check my sources on that. Uh, but he uh, was 40 to 50 yards, uh, maybe even more, away from a guy who was on a freight. Uh, he was on a, a smaller boat. The guy puts up his hand, goes, hey, throw me a beer. He goes, yeah, sure, why not? And here's what it sounds like when that goes viral on social media. 
A friend of mine, there's a ship passing. He yells to the guy on the ship, hey, man, want a beer? And he waves. He's like, yeah, I'd love one, but you can't make that throw. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) Buddy of mine tosses me a a garage beer. I wind up, and I put a seed right (laughs) on the guy. Oh, that's got a shot. I love the fact that the uh, freight uh, actually put off the whole uh, horn and did all that stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, That beer is now pictured. It's all over social media, too. People are loving this. It was an incredible throw. Uh, That part you can't deny. That part you don't want to deny. But I love the fact that this is the kind of thing that goes, this is why I like the Internet. I actually say that uh, a lot more often, uh, or I probably should say it even more. Uh, than I do, is these are the things that makes the Internet fun and good. It's all the other stuff, all the other crap that's out there uh, that makes things sort of unbearable uh, in the world and makes you think, man, I wish social media would just uh, crater, fall apart, and go away. Uh, another thing out there that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, this is a uh, social media or TikTok uh, little debate. Uh, apparently, the youngest generation, Gen Z, is saying that millennials are wearing their sunglasses wrong, uh, that if you wear your sunglasses squished all the way up to your nose, all the way in your eyes, you know, to protect, I don't know, your eyes from the sun, that that's wrong, that that's not allowed. You're supposed to do it halfway down the nose. Here's a little bit of audio. So I wear my sunglasses, you know, I wear them like this. You know, apparently you're not supposed to wear your sunglasses like this. Like, so shoved into your face. Like, you look like the dad that wears a visor. Okay, so are we up on the nose, high on the nose, or are we... Are we low? Is this the dumbest thing you've heard anyone debate before? Is this as silly? Is this one of the, the more ludicrous things? Like, where should it be? What's cool? What's not cool? That's a real thing going on. Again, I don't even really hate this in social media. I do think it's silly or um, probably a waste of a lot of our time to pay attention or focus on it. But it's not the end of the world as far as something that people are, are uh, saying, like, this is the message I want to get out there. This is the thing I want to make sure that people are doing the right way and not doing uh, the wrong way. Uh, some other things that I saw, uh, this one is pretty interesting. It's on both BuzzFeed and Reddit. It's the amount of, um, well, actually, okay, let me change that. It's the things that people have done that are not necessarily the most normal to make money. And there's some uncomfortable ones in this list. I'm going to go ahead and skip those because this is radio. Uh, but some of the ones that I thought were just more intriguing on this list is a guy said he wanted to be uh, known as the local wannabe mayor. So he asked a buddy of his to write his name in on the next election. And if he did it and took a photo, which I think you're not allowed to do, he would give him a hundred bucks. So this guy actually did it. He voted for his friend and they're very proud of that. And that's the way that one dude said he made a hundred bucks from his buddy. It's a very odd way, as I said, to make money, but it's one of several on this list. Uh, so it made me think that if you've ever made money in a way that you're proud of and want me to share on the radio and it's a unique kind of hustle that you thought of, go ahead and send me a text 309-340-4464. 309-340-4464. And I'll throw some of those out there as other ideas for other people to try out. Uh, Jonathan Jurgens is sitting back down with me uh, from the Tamara conference that I said is going on behind me. Uh, Jonathan, I know we have another guest that you have uh, that you want to uh, jump on and be a part of the show as well, too, in a little bit. Uh, but how's everything going now? It's going pretty good. Uh, people are still having some pretty good interactions with our vendors. They're starting to actually have a little bit of fun back there. So Cool. Good. I know that the uh, founder of the Quick Response Training, uh, his name is John, uh, might be out here momentarily. Can you tell me a little bit about what the Quick Response Training is? Uh, so they do a lot of active shooter training, um, and they'll explain site assessments um, from uh, from their perspective. Uh, he's a retired law enforcement officer, uh, got a lot of knowledge, very good presenter. Uh, excited to have him on. Nice. Um, uh, how often do you work with law enforcement or former law enforcement and what you do? Is it is it almost every day all the time? So law enforcement, current law enforcement, every single day. Okay. Um, some of the stories that you hear locally um, we are involved with, and uh 
one of the coolest compliments that I got from one of the guys that we work with is we are the guys that protect the guys that are protecting you. Wow. Um, uh, is there anything that you've seen or that you've learned? I'm not asking you to actually tell us the stories themselves uh, that convince you of how important all this is, like some of the, the um, moments where people wish they had had something in place that wasn't? Unfortunately, yes. Um, we've had to be there after some serious bodily injury, and uh, we've seen the aftermath of some of the failures of security firsthand, and, and, and it's kind of heartbreaking, really. How does, how does it impact you as a person? Um, so thankfully, I, I would say that uh, not nearly as much as it would if I was a first responder. Those guys have to go through an awful lot, and uh, yeah. I think to better understand them, um, you should probably understand that they have a lot of mental health stuff that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, and I'm thankful that, that I just get bits and pieces of it versus what they what they go through. Yeah, that's sort of um, amazing to think about is that, you know, uh, for someone like me who doesn't really land in any of those worlds and situations and someone like you who sees it only so rarely that there's always someone who's who's getting a, a deeper dose of the reality that is that other world. Um, if we don't have a time for the a quick response training guy, uh, John, to sit down with us unless he's is he, if he's right over here. Yeah, yep, come on yep. down. Come on over, buddy, and sit down and, and hang out for a second. Um, uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about what you guys are up to, uh, what you're uh, teaching people today, just pretty much anything going on. How are you doing? Good. All right. Um, so first, tell me a little bit about uh, what you guys do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, in violent response education. So, so a lot of times people need uh, uh, to learn about, you know, their, their response options, and we're uh, pretty good at teaching that. Okay. Um, what do you think is one of the bigger, and actually we might have lost uh, some of the beginning of that answer, so if you don't mind, uh, tell me one more time yeah. from the top uh, as we had a little bit of a technology snafu there. Uh, what are all the different things that you guys are dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, uh, different places. Uh, and, and actually, my lineage started with the K-12 through schools, educating yeah. our schools in regards to active assailant education. Um, so teaching that run, hide, fight response and what's important now, uh, when. You actually teach that to kids? Uh, no, more or less to the staff members okay. um, uh, within the schools, um, houses of worship, uh, business environments. Is it sobering to think that that information is something that kids are getting uh, now? Because, like, I went to school, we didn't teach on you know an active shooter situation and and the information you have the things that help keep people safe are things that you're teaching a 10 year old now is there something about that just emotionally that connects with you you know i'm glad you said that um because as uh, as we grew through this process uh, one of the things that i like to do is look at um the age groups and make it age appropriate so uh if you are dealing with um uh, probably about the third grade and below um call it our littles um ensuring to make that into a game. So instead of teaching someone to um, um, hide because there's an active assailant, uh, perhaps teach them, uh, uh, you know, hide and seek. And uh, the principal wow. or another teacher will come in and make a big deal out of it. Like, you know, they heard that you're the best hide and seekers in the entire school, and you come in and make a game out of it versus making it some type of adversarial situation. Wow, that's that's something I wouldn't have thought of. That's, uh, that's incredible that you go that road with it, that, you know, the kids will still be safe, but that at the end of the day... As thank God this doesn't happen all over the country every single you know day. Um, most of the kids who learn this, it, it won't phase them later on. Uh, is there anything else that you feel are, is a big challenge or a big thing that you're getting the word out on today? 
Uh, you know, I just think, make sure make sure that everybody understands that there's got to be some resiliency here. Uh, a lot of times we get to the mark, uh, but then we we uh, move on to something else. So continue to make sure that you know you're as ready uh, as possible. Um, this is a low frequency event, but it's high consequence if it does happen. So we got to be as prepared as possible. Uh, what would you say about some of the work you've done with them, Jonathan? Uh, very professional guys. I get to, I've got to see several other presentations. Been involved with a few of them myself. Um, I've been extremely proud of the fact that. Dave invited me along for some of the stuff that they did and, and helped me network with some of the people that I have here today. How do people get in touch with you guys? Um, they can contact me uh, uh, through um, um, John's organization. Both Tamara.us? Correct. Perfect. Uh, is there anything else before I let you go that you think is important for people to know just in general? Yeah, just stay on top of it. Know your options and, uh, you know, understand that uh, just because you learn it in one environment doesn't mean that you can't apply it to all of the environments you might find yourself in on a daily basis. Gotcha. So the types of things that you teach today, even if they're relevant for a school, for this, for that, uh, don't feel like if you're not an educator, you don't have a kid in class, there's not something you're going to gain from this too. Uh, is there a, a reason that you do what you do? Is there a reason that you personally are passionate about this? Yeah, I actually uh, retired from a, a local sheriff's department uh, back in 21, and I was tasked with um, creating that school safety program within our area, and it just became a passion for me, making sure, and, and again, I, I had kids in school at the time as well. Um, so just wanted to make sure that uh, my kids and, and our community were as safe as possible. Can I ask you what you think of, of when those stories go viral, when those tragedies go viral, and when the politicians switch the conversation to something about gun control or some other place. I'm not asking you to get overly political with me, but I'm just curious uh, with you and your unique kind of connection to a lot of these issues, where your mind goes when you watch the debate change to be about something else? Sure. It's a very important question that you just asked. Um, behavioral threat assessment's a, a huge portion of that. Um, you know, what, what, what mitigation efforts are we taking before this ever happens? You know, making sure that we have a healthy environment uh, that, are, that our kids are going into uh, on a daily basis. So it's not just the act itself. It's it's everything uh, preparing um, and, and mitigating that before it ever happens. Yeah, and so that's where your mind goes immediately, is you're saying we're talking about the wrong thing, we're missing the, the heart of the conversation, we need to get back on message. Sure, it's all part of the conversation, but I think we really have to concentrate on the efforts to mitigate it. I love it. I agree with you so much. Uh, thank you so much, both of you guys, for sitting down with me. That's John uh, hey, Quest. I, I got one thing. Yeah, that's Quast. Quast. Uh, just so you know, Rick Rasporla, that story I told you, yeah. this is the other guy in, about that story. Oh, that story. Okay, yeah. cool. That's good. Good to know, man. Uh, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig. It's the Threat Assessment Mitigation and Response Association. Okay, so uh, the biggest news today. Easily the biggest news today is something that's awesome to have when you're sitting here with me and hanging out because it's it's absolutely gun-related, and you're my gun expert who's been on the show a few times to talk about things in that world. It's Hunter Biden. He's been charged now with three counts, uh, two cal uh, felony counts for false statements in purchasing a firearm and a third count on illegally obtaining a firearm uh, while addicted to drugs. The two counts of making false statements carry a sentence of up to 10 years and five years respectively, and the possession charge is another up to 10 years. So anyone must remember, I'm assuming a whole bunch of the listeners out there easily remember, uh, that there was a moment where uh, the plea agreement existed and mainstream media is what you want to call it or left-leaning media, whatever, uh, was saying how this was not a, uh, a sweetheart deal. This was a, a great uh, you know, um, uh, decision by all involved and Hunter was getting in more trouble. I, I remember actually hearing that on the news that Hunter was getting in more trouble than the typical person would get in in the world in which he wasn't going to face any of the penalties any of the charges that I just mentioned a second ago, and the gun problem, if that's what you want to call it, was just going to sort of go away if he signed some sort of 
paperwork and said he wasn't going to get in trouble for a while. It was essentially the best possible scenario. So first and foremost, when I talk about this at all, I want to say out loud that he's now facing 25 years in jail if he's found guilty and maximum sentence on all three of those charges. That feels really different than uh, you're not going to have any kind of problems whatsoever, sir. But so I ask you, as a gun expert, as an advocate of the Second Amendment, as a person who cares about you know not restricting gun laws uh, just to do it, if it has no actual impact on the things the politicians are telling us they're trying, the problems they say they're trying to solve, how do you react to the idea of someone like Biden finally being charged with uh, this level of offense for something that probably you consider really important, uh, not breaking gun laws? We'll call that a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's not a political thing at all. It's no. um, you broke the law, and you broke the existing law that is on the books, and you need to suffer the consequences yeah. of it. And we can't sit there and say we need more gun control and then turn right back around and say, well, you know, maybe not for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is uniquely interesting that it winds up being a Democratic politician, not just the president, but uh, a person who's actually, even in his own political career, uh, done things to go after some of the uh, gun charges that his son is now facing and try to hold people more responsible in that world, which is, again, interesting. Oh, uh, I but, could probably name some names if I really sat down and thought about it. There's a lot of politicians, a lot of people that want to take your gun rights away sure. that have been convicted of gun crimes. Oh, wait, actually, uh, what was that guy from Texas uh, that ran for office? The the, the guy that kind of looked like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the gun charge in Texas with a Napoleon Dynamite guy. I, do you mean Beto O'Rourke? That's it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So uh, <laughs> he wants to take your guns away, but I'm, he had a gun charge. I'm really proud that I got there with that because <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was starting to put into Google a uh, guy, Texas, and I'm like, no, he means Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, yes, yeah, Texas, that's, that's one of guy. many. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, you know, something else that I think is, is so valuable in this conversation at all uh, is the fact that, and I met a few listeners the other day uh, who said that, like, I'm a big pro-gun guy. They're like, oh, we love your show, but we know you're a big pro-gun guy. Um, and I think that the assumption for anyone that, that is believed to be that is that you don't want to see these gun laws enacted or these gun laws followed. It's just a very um, simplistic understanding of yes, gun, no gun. And I think that that's the big problem in the world of any of this that's beyond, as you just said, the political uh, slant left, slant right version of it, and understanding that that most pro-gun people are pro uh, certain limitations that prevent bad people from having weapons. Does it does it not just seem like it's another one of those things that's one side of the goal or the other side of the goal? Like, we're on, well, you're on one team, I'm on the other team, so because my team says this is bad, this right. is bad. And it's it's frustrating because I, hey, I know plenty of people that don't like guns. All right, cool. I'm not going to put my gun in your face and say, here, here, you have to like this thing. No, Do don't. Do the people that don't like guns know a lot about guns? No, that's usually what it ends up being because I've actually had a lot of people that don't know about guns, and you hang around with me long enough, you start to learn a little bit, and the next thing you know, say, all right, maybe I want to take a gun out and shoot. And then at some point you're like, maybe I should do a whole conference with people all kinds <laughs> of stuff about this. You're on like, a gun range, yeah. yeah maybe, sure. yeah. Oh, dude, that sounds cool. <laughs> Let's do that next year. I'd like to broadcast from a gun range. Uh, some other things out there. Thank you, Jonathan, for that information. Uh, I do want to shift gears uh, just quickly before we take a break uh, to some of the stuff that Donald Trump and Megyn Kelly uh, were talking about. I do find this, as I said earlier, uh, when I played this. The following is a test of the emergency alert system. Four six four. that the team behind the Trump campaign is trying to establish him as someone who is more nuanced on some of these issues uh, than, say, the other politicians on the conservative side of the aisle right now that would probably be accused of being more far right. 
Uh, DeSantis is very matter of fact. Many other uh, Republican politicians are. Fauci should have been fired. Uh, vaccines are something that we, you know, mismanaged in this way and that way, whatever it is. And yet those are the questions coming up between uh, Trump and between Megyn Kelly. And the answers are one that uh, some are saying are going to hurt Trump, but I think are actually very much um, strategically being thrown out there to demonstrate that there is uh, an opinion uh, that seems to play into the hands of the left uh, that might actually be uh, within the, the you know, talking points of the former president. Here we go. This is one example. This is about COVID um, vaccine specifically and Operation Warp Speed. But I have people on the other side. I don't not my side, although probably there's some on my side, too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people are proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that, too. But, yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates. And people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision, as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates. Uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But there are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the they really believe strongly. One say- so I have to ask that question just again. Who do you think is creating uh, this plan? Is it Trump? Is Trump saying, you know what? I want to talk about this. I want to say this this way because I think it does a- apply or it does appeal to people that aren't uh, traditional uh, Trump voters by any set of the imagination. Or is it uh, some other part of the team? saying that this is the way uh, toward a victory at a time when Democrats are uniquely weak. You know what? I'll say that about uh, the situation on the left uh, without going you know, too far away, because I have one other piece of Trump audio I really want to play. I just find it interesting. Um, but I think if you look at any national poll right now, a- anything out there, and this is what I say about uh, attempting to impeach uh, Biden, which it will probably pass the House when and if that vote actually is called for. It won't pass the Senate. Uh, he won't be removed from office. Uh, that part will uh, not be uh, what we, uh, what anyone uh, thinks, you know, uh, the end result could be if you think that uh, something else is coming out of this, unless uh, some giant big discovery that hasn't been made yet occurs. I guess I reserve myself the right uh, to change my opinion on what the inquiry actually uh, brings to the national attention of everyone uh, here. Uh, but I'll say that that if it wasn't uh, Trump, if it was some other politician, I think a lot more people would assume the Democrat was going to lose. A lot more people in the middle or a lot more people on the left would assume that uh, because of how many people dislike the age, uh, the mental capability. You name the thing of the uh, current president. But uh, back to Trump. Here he is talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci. And again, this is another issue that has been uh, very uh, played out on conservative media, on uh, the right side of the aisle. And easily uh, the the expected way to go uh, in this is to say, yeah, I should have fired Fauci or some version of uh, I wanted to fire Fauci, or even more recently when Trump said I couldn't because of his role, even though I think the answer is actually you could have. Sorry about that for saying that, uh, Mr. Pre- former Mr. President. Uh, but here, let's play a little bit of that back and forth because this is the other very newsworthy part of this uh, one-hour uh, Megyn Kelly interview that's all over SiriusXM and social media right now. For years, you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time well, in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. 
The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way, you made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus. You think so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on covid and that you actually give him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. <laughs> I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Somebody probably handed him a commendation. He probably, but let me. All right, I got to stop that right there. Uh, so I love the uh, somebody probably handed him a commendation on the way out. Um, what actually happened for anyone that doesn't know is on the last day of Trump's presidency, uh, he gave a commendation to everyone who was involved in Operation Warp Speed, which did include uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He was one of many people uh, that got a, a presidential commendation. I don't know how that whole system works. I don't know if I believe that you had no idea. You just got a little confused, like, hey, I don't know, something happened. Who knows? Stuff's going on. Uh, but it was it was interesting to me that that's the answer given in the, the way in which you go there. Uh, but Trump even goes on to say that Fauci was respected up until COVID started, or, or maybe just unknown is the way I describe it. I don't think a lot of people had that name in their Rolodex before you saw him on TV talking about COVID. And I do think that's where Megyn Kelly is going and saying you made him a star. Uh, but I, I will remind everyone, too, that when uh, ever Fauci didn't appear at one of those coronavirus briefings early on, uh, news media went nuts. Uh, there were several, like, where's Fauci? It almost felt like a where's Waldo thing. But here, I want to play one other moment again of Trump saying that there were times when he had uh, more respect as a professional. Let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. So it's interesting to hear him go those roads, especially when you think that answers like this to questions like this are predictable. Uh, they're easier. They, You know what road you're going because you know what the talking points are. Uh, he, for whatever reason, didn't go the talking points road. Uh, that's the question I have. All right. I'll probably stop obsessing about that interview and move on to other things. Uh, we have Jonathan Jurgens coming up in a little bit again with another guest uh, who's also displaying here at the Tamra event, uh, the second annual Tamra conference at the Paradise Hotel and Casino, which I'm sitting in the lobby of uh, the, the hotel for and telling you if you want to swing by and say hello to me, you're more than welcome to do it. Uh, also, top five at five, the five biggest news stories of the day, to me, coming up in about 15, 20 minutes or so. A quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I like the fact that uh, Jonathan Jurgens has basically produced this whole show today. Uh, the Tamra uh, second annual conference is here, and you've brought in all the guests, and I've been very, very grateful for that. And now you've brought in uh, the sheriff's deputy in Tazewell County, Danny Glover, uh, not the actor guy. Uh, you guys don't have much of a resemblance to each other. Lean into that mic and talk to me. How are you doing, Danny? Doing good today. How are you? Good. Uh, what have you uh, done here today? What have you been? You, I know you taught some things. I know you probably attended some things, too. What have you been up to? Uh, start out kind of going over the uh, how the... Uh, active assailants have come around and how it's come to be over the years with law enforcement training and teaching and stuff like that how we've kind of pushed through the curve of uh 
teaching and getting these younger people, their deputies, police officers, up to speed with what to do in the situation. Is that one of the biggest changes, is the amount of individuals within law enforcement that need to be trained on how to respond to a situation like this? Yeah, I think they're not getting as much training in the academy as they should. So we're, we're trying to make sure everybody's up to speed so we can get the best results. Gotcha. Uh, because in, in worlds like some of the things that do go viral and everyone talks about, like Uvalde or whatever you want to say it is, uh, one of the big narratives that comes out it feels like a narrative we shouldn't have anymore in, in the day and age in which we live is that people didn't have the proper knowledge or training to do things the right way. Uh, what would you say, from your perspective, Danny, um, with like uh, in the Nashville shooting, what was one of the, the big successes that actually came out of that? Um, when you look at that video, uh, you see the body cameras and stuff like that in Nashville shooting. You see that the law enforcement officers are all there, first ones on scene. They're all pushing through. They're all linking up to help each other and try and find the uh, mitigate the threat. Um, even all the way, if you watch it, they, they're stuck at a door. They come back around. They get back in the building, and they, and they get into the nuts and bolts of finding that person and taking care of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, fascinating. Uh, let me ask you uh, a little bit more about just the, the everyday relevance to this to people who aren't in law enforcement and some of the things either that you've attended or some of the things that you're training are there um, things that people need to know in the world of, of being at a situation, being in a situation like that, and not you're obviously not there to, to try to save anybody. You're there to protect yourself somehow. The number one thing is just uh, be aware of your surroundings. If something doesn't look right, if someone doesn't look correct, or, or they're, they're acting weird, or they have mental issues or something like that, and, and you think they could become that type of a person or threat, need to contact law enforcement let us know so we can follow up on that to see something say something thing yeah yes, guys it's not snitching it's not yeah. snitching at all okay let me ask you that because we, we kind of landed there and I, don't, I know jonathan didn't mean for us to go there and i know this is more about peoria than tazewell county mm -hmm. as a whole uh, but we're seeing so much gun violence with mm -hmm. young people especially like under 18 uh, that mm -hmm. can't legally own a firearm of course what are some of your reactions as someone who serves and protects who runs danger when I try to run the heck away mm -hmm. um, what are some of your reactions to the the age seeming to be lower and lower for people who are choosing these these life-changing and horrible and evil uh, acts what you're seeing there is, is a lot of it has to do with uh, gang violence and things like that um, I think that's what mostly you're seeing so your shot spotters yeah. going off lots of casings lots of other shootings across and around those areas in Peoria um, it, if you go towards active, a sailor active shooter, you're looking at more problems with mental instability or sure. uh, social media plays a lot into that. You're going to see a lot of the bullying and stuff like that that could cause someone well, to people start try to live stream, as horrible yeah. as it sounds, some yes. of those social media things. They want to be celebrities or infamous or whatever they think they're going to be, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I don't like to say the names of anyone that does it in that situation. Exactly. Uh, to go back to it, though, from your position as someone that's <clears throat> trying to to solve these problems, what's the right message to be sharing to young people that are are part of that system or young people that are affected by that system, any of that? They need to reach out for help. Uh, the schools, I think, are starting to get into that process, you know, getting them paying attention that if they need more help from uh, emergency response services or counseling or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of factors that come into that. So home environment, things like that, uh, people they're hanging around with, what kind of crew they're running with, stuff like that. All right. Uh, one last thing that I'm asking everybody that I'm chatting with today, uh, how are, how's your relationship with Tamara? What are some things that you would say about the organization that you're uh, at the conference for today? Oh, the Tamara conference uh, is very good. has a lot to offer with the um, constituents and us and training and stuff like that. So 
Um, this is I, education I, that a lot yeah. of people need. Yes. Yeah. Lots. Okay. Cool. Uh, I usually end these questions, these interviews, especially tougher ones. I know this was a little bit uh, harder <laughs> stuff uh, with a very silly question, a very mm-hmm. stupid one. Mm-hmm. Most of this will be off the air, but I got a ticket in Taswell, and I really love a little bit of help. <laughs> you don't mind? No, I'm kidding, people. I'm kidding. It's not going to happen. Uh, we'll see. We're going to hit a break in just a bit. Uh, Jonathan, before I let him go, anything else you want us to know? Uh, no. I mean that. Uh, one thing that I'd really like to make sure that everybody understands out there is you can lean on guys like this. Um, he's very committed to the community, yeah. uh, very passionate about ensuring that the community gets a, uh, a good understanding of they're, they're really there to help. They're, they're not there to be a problem. They're there to help you. I love that as actually an end to this, a real, a genuine end to this, is you're a person. You're a guy. Uh, cops are guys. Cops are people. Uh, they're not, you know, all the things that media and other people tell you they are, and that's one of the other really important things to get out there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that you just want to hang out. You play basketball ever, like in the street or something? Do you have any viral videos out there, man? No, nope, nothing okay. like that. We can make one today. Oh, he's got a golfing video he should show you. Oh, yes, he does. I want to see Danny Glover's golfing video. <laughs> yes, you do. I never thought I'd say on the show. <laughs> a quick break. A lot more. Thank you, buddy. Uh, yep. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, uh, WMBDradio.com. If you want to click play and listen to us on the Internet, more of the Craig Collins Show, including the top five at five in a bit. More DC Kid on Color Region over the Hills. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's time for the top five at five, and I don't have the sound that I usually play to kick us off the top five at five. I do have the count hanging out though. He is available and ready to go in the world of helping me count down the top stories of the day. Uh, but these are the five biggest stories to me in that specific order. These are um, my biggest, you know, things, things that matter most. Let's get right to it at number five. Five. <laughs> Thank you to the count for being involved in that and helping me out with that. I don't know why I find that so funny. Uh, number five to me is a story that people are going to tell you is more important than I think it actually is. Uh, they did it to me is the quote, and I think this is from Politico specifically. It says that Trump has admitted that it's him who's behind the impeachment uh, inquiry into uh, President Biden and that it's an act of revenge. I think he said that while sitting down with Megyn Kelly. I'm not even going to play the audio. Uh, I don't hesitate to believe this. Uh, that Trump would have uh, that version of of desire in him uh, to want to go after uh, Biden or encourage others to go after Biden, um, and that the impeachment can all be about that. But I think is actually more relevant than anything to that whole conversation, uh, as Trump obviously got impeached twice by the House and then not removed from power uh, by the Senate, is that will probably most likely happen again. Uh, at the end of all this, if there's not anything uh, groundbreaking or different, and you can yell at your radio if you want to on the side of, uh, there's more than enough information already to feel as though Biden's guilty of something or the opposite side. If you want to yell at your radio and say there's absolutely nothing uh, to demonstrate the need for the inquiry. Uh, but if we don't wind up with new information, with different information than what's been there before, uh, Republicans will say that there's a problem and, and vote to impeach him. And that will work in the House since they have control. And then in the Senate, the Democrats will say there's nothing. There's no proof. Uh, there's no reason to think any of this. Uh, the supercut that I played yesterday of all the, um, you know, there's nothing that ties him to it. Uh, versions of things uh, will play out and then we'll have the same thing we had before uh, someone who's impeached but not removed and then it just becomes i guess a a scarlet letter so again to me that's actually it's crazy to say this you know what i was i was at an um appointment today uh for something i'm not gonna go any further than that it feels cryptic and weird uh, and one of the things that someone said to me and this wasn't supposed to be a political conversation they know uh, what i do for a living and how i i talk about things uh, certain things on the radio Uh, But all they said is, you know, what's crazy is in the last few years, uh, so many different things that felt like giant news are no longer giant news, including a president being indicted or a former president being indicted and charged with crimes for something 
because it happened four times in the period of like two months, uh, which is like, wow, we went from none of these to a crap ton of these, and now it, it somehow becomes a B block or C block version of a conversation for even like your nightly news compared to being the A top of the hour first story out there. So that's why this made number five on my list, because, you know, not only is it uh, not surprising for Trump to say that he might be involved in that, but it's probably going to wind up, uh, whether it makes you happy or mad, as a, a story that's, you know, in and out of the news and, and forgotten and maybe yelled at uh, during some sort of political debate uh, if Biden is still running for office in a year uh, from now. Um, because it, it won't actually result in the removal of him from the role of presidency. But I, I don't know. I, I continue to reserve my right to change that based on what the inquiry actually tells us, if there's anything new. And I know they have new power to uh, encourage uh, more honesty than they've gotten so far. All right. Thank you, Count, for number four. And number four on the list is the dude who went uh, missing, uh, actually escaped is the right word, in Pennsylvania, uh, the murderer who eventually was caught two weeks later. Uh, what I think is interesting about this story now is they're telling us what he wanted to do. Uh, CNN specifically, I think, um, was reporting on this, that he had a plan to flee to Canada uh, before he was captured. I'm not surprised that Danilo Cavalcante was planning to flee the country somehow. Uh, it obviously didn't succeed. It didn't work. And I love the fact that the way he got caught was the helicopter that had the heat-seeking uh, technology that could find him somewhere, and then they send all the officers, and the dog actually is the one uh, that gets him to stop resisting entirely, a police dog. Uh, but this is this almost feels to me, and I feel like I've said this before about some stories, to be the, the news now being desperate to keep your attention so they continue to give you um, some something in the world of a story that, that could go away. I, I don't need to know that the dude uh, who escaped from jail, who got caught, uh, you know, and was on the run for two weeks, was planning to go to Canada. I don't. I know that I'm talking about it here, and I know that I'm calling it story number four, uh, but I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it because I wanted uh, this to be the take on it, is I do think there's a desperation sometimes to prop some of this stuff up, and it's what uh, really makes a lot of uh, news media something today that feels like it's almost more entertainment or more, you know, uh, something that isn't just trying to tell you what's most important to you, but trying to keep your eyeballs uh, glued to them or, or paying attention to whatever it is uh, going on in their world, which is, is again, something that I think is really, really happening here. All right, number three. Three. Thank you, Count. You're doing a great job of counting these sort of things. I know that you really love to count. Because I love to count yes, things. I don't, know. I don't know why I like this so much. I have a whole uh, count uh, set of sound, and I, I'm going too crazy. Uh, number three to me, and I know this is going to be objected to, is it shouldn't be this high in my top five list, is the video, surveillance video, of Lauren Boebert getting kicked out of the Beetlejuice show. Uh, this is news that I talked about the other day, and I also probably put too high up on my list. Uh, she was kicked out for being loud, her and her, a friend of some kind, and then media ran with it and talked about it, and Boebert even admitted to it, saying she'd love to know how the Beetlejuice uh, musical ends. And I, as I said yesterday, imagine it's much like the movie. Uh, but the fact that there's now surveillance video and Lauren Boebert seems to be smiling into the camera is something that I guess I'm not completely surprised exists out there. Uh, but it is amusing me maybe more uh, than it should. So go out there and look for it if you want it. This is radio. I can't show it to you. Uh, but I do find it pretty interesting. Two. That's right. Number two, keep me on target. Uh, a family of a bully teen uh, who died after a student punched him has reached a historic $27 million settlement. Uh, this is according to lawyers, I think NBC News, and many others are reporting on this. Uh, it feels like, uh, and I've seen this take, a win in a, a very different, a very um, probably bittersweet, or I doubt even any of those positive emotions world uh, for the family itself, uh, where if you say any of these things, 
that seem to be getting worse and worse in our society, whatever they are, uh, that there's ramifications for it, there's punishment for it. Uh, this is a unique way to go about uh, talking about this, I'll say, because uh, the family of a 13-year-old who died after two of his classmates attacked him at lunch uh, will receive $27 million from a Southern California school district, according to the family's attorney, uh, who said it's the largest uh, school bullying settlement in U.S. history. I wonder how that applies to danger in schools that goes beyond typical bullying. And this is obviously not typical bullying. They they killed uh, another little boy. Um, but we see so much violence in schools right now, in our own community. Uh, we had uh, the uh, wrath, uh, the uh, uh, rash of violence uh, that existed a, a couple weeks ago uh, that caused cops to be showing up at a lot of the local schools to try to instill some amount of security in the students. They gave out pizza. I think I failed to mention that, and I thought that was really cool, that the day in which a lot of parents were too afraid to send their kids to school, but some kids showed up in all of our community, all of our surrounding area, police officers treated those kids to pizza uh, to show them that they were proud of the kids for uh, caring about their education, and more so than just that, proud of the kids for trusting um, the school or the cops or whoever to keep them safe uh, that day. So I thought that was a really cool message. And then when you think about the the repercussions, the punishments, the the ways to stop these sort of things, uh, thinking about $27 million settlements uh, being things that parents might be able to gain from schools or from communities uh, if something horrible happened at a school. And I'm not saying, again, that this is likely to happen in all these situations. It, it feels like a step in a direction we need to go, uh, a direction in which you do need more and more uh, reasons to think uh, that there are. And I'm not saying punish the schools, sue the schools, take all the money out of the schools, I'm just saying there has to be a, a myriad of ways in which the young people themselves or maybe all of us in society uh, fully believe and fully accept that there are tremendous punishments to a lot of the crimes that I think a lot of the younger people we were just talking to the uh, sheriff's deputy in Tazewell County, Danny Glover, about this a second ago, um, and we probably should have gotten to this part of the point, uh, but it seems as though a lot of those kids just don't care. Uh, a lot of the people who are doing these horrible things I uh, don't even worry about the repercussion part or the, you know, a uh, punishment part. And things like this might might grab attention in different ways. Uh, so that's why I chose to put it here at number two. And finally, one. Number one on the list. It's easy. This is probably one of the easiest days to decide what number one is. Uh, the son of the current president of the United States, Hunter Biden, has been indicted uh, by a special counsel on felony gun charges. Three charges. Uh, two charges that are specific to false statements in purchasing a firearm and then one third charge for illegally obtaining a firearm while addicted to drugs. The total max sentence for all three of these is 25 years in jail. Uh, this goes from being something uh, that was a plea agreement in which uh, there would have been a zero punishment for any of the potential, and there were no specific charges at that time. It was a felony gun, um, you know, a thing that would have been a, a uh, class he takes sort of a version of it. I know I'm not explaining it correctly, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, and then essentially he'd have no punishment whatsoever uh, to what it is today. And the reason why it's went this way, I think, is twofold. I think the first thing, and this is the more relevant thing, is that the person, the special counsel in this case, is the same guy that created the quote-unquote sweetheart deal, and the judge is the one that prevented that from being something that actually got cleared. The judge started to ask questions. Hunter's lawyers seemed confused by what some of the questions were saying. Uh, the prosecution uh, seemed confused. The, the uh, government seemed to not want to go certain directions with that. So it falls apart, and public pressure, whatever you want to call it, uh, political pressure, uh, causes us to get where we are. And actually giving 
Uh, this is actually the other thing that I've, I've meant to say a few times and haven't said yet about this story. Actually giving uh, the attorney um, a, a special counsel designation caused us to get a different result than the first time when there was no special counsel designation, which seems to prove the main thing that was being said in some places that was being uh, accused of being a conspiracy theory, which is that without that um, a special additional um, oversight or title and, and capability to go certain roads in his investigation the first time, he didn't bring these charges, uh, meaning that he was hampered uh, by the uh, role he was in before, uh, which is something that whistleblowers testified in front of Congress and said. And then again, that was also widely rejected. But it all appears to be things that seem to be very, very accurate and true uh, based on the end result of where we are here. Uh, so that is, again, the easiest, super biggest. Uh, the count could say it 25 times. It is the number one story one. of the day. Thank you, sir. Keep going one. at it. Yes, it's number one. Uh, absolutely far and away. Um, and I've said this many times because uh, this person, Hunter Biden, is the current son of the current president. If you love him, if you hate him, if you're a hardcore one side, hardcore the other side, none of that matters. It's not very often you see someone in that role who's been in a lot of meetings even now, uh, been at state dinners, been at all kinds of things, uh, getting charged with three felony gun charges. And especially when you think about the messaging, the rhetoric that exists on the left and the right in the world of gun violence, in the world of everything, uh, there is no way, I think, to convince the voter uh, that you are going to do what they want you to do on that side of the aisle if Hunter Biden isn't punished fairly significantly. And the, I guess the one little caveat, too, to mention, which I, I know I've said before, uh, he was accepting the plea deal, which would have uh, had him plead guilty to this. I know you can't use you can't like be the lawyer walking and be like, hey, he pled guilty already. We shouldn't even have a trial. You got to throw that out. But it says something about where he was willing to be uh, just a short time ago on exactly these charges. All right, quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. With Relief Factor. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to do good story, bad story in about 10 minutes or so. I'm going to have Jonathan Jurgens back on one more time from Tamara's second annual conference live at the Peoria um, Paradise Hotel and Casino, uh, the um, lobby of the hotel part. I have uh, Eric Thurman back, my buddy from uh, the VFW in Peoria Heights. Uh, you guys had Taco Tuesday a couple days ago. It was great. We had a bunch of listeners uh, come out and say hi to me, which was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we, we're still trying to sell them very hard on the Craig Collins drink. It seems like the thing that people need to start trying uh, more. The tacos, doing fine. The Craig Collins drink is 3 bucks. $1 goes to the toy drive. Uh, $2 to actually get a medium shelf vodka and a fancy, a nice, you know, um, a vodka lemonade drink for the remaining whatever summer period it right, is. Right, Yeah, this, this is a good move that people need it to make. It is a good move. Yeah, and I feel weird that I'm the one ordering it in the place. I'm like, <laughs> give me give me a, a me. Uh, but I want to bring you on for this, and I think it's a kind of funny topic. Um, there's apparently this trend on social media where women complain that they are overdressed girlfriends with underdressed boyfriends, meaning that they make themselves look very fancy, look very nice, they go out, Maybe it's even a, a fancy event, and they are disappointed that the man in their life isn't rising to the same level of, of dress, of wardrobe, of fashion. <laughs> I feel like this has long been a challenge in the men and women world that we're not maybe doing <laughs> that level of stuff. Well, I just can't believe the women are actually complaining. That's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Right? That, yeah, they used to just let us. Be, anyway, um, so I wanted to ask your opinion on that, on that world of, of women demanding more from the uh, fashion moves of us men. Well, the demanding part's the easy part. It's forcing the execution, forcing, part. The execution yeah. because if the man's good right. and she's good, 
She's going to make him right. wear what she wants him to wear. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting on here <laughs> is some of the girls who are complaining are saying it's actually disrespectful to them. And one girl said she had to learn to love her boyfriend when he wouldn't dress up nicer. <laughs> I need to get you get a kick yeah. out of that. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Good luck to them. Uh, but I, I'll say this, and I'm going to out myself in a way that people might judge. Uh, we all know my wife, my beautiful, lovely wife, Betty, who's Absolutely. sweet and nice and kind. Uh, have there been times when we had certain occasions that she thought I would miss the mark on dressing for <laughs> where she laid out my clothes like I'm a child and I'd wake up and see what my outfit's supposed to be? Not going to fight that at all. Put that on and go through my day. Yeah, that's happened. If that's enough right. of a solution, I feel like this could get us past all these problems. Absolutely. You're right, exactly. Absolutely. And some might accuse me of being a guy that's not, you know, uh, fighting uh, that fight harder or trying to, you know, say no, but uh, happy wife, happy life, man. Well, we need a new thing called the, like the Geranimals when they would, you could match up your pants and your shirt when you yes. was a kid. Yes. They need an adult version. Right. That is, okay, this Geranimal goes for this situation. <laughs> So if you're going to go out to a party, depending on yeah. what type of party, depends on what you, animal you're going to have to you wear. You pull your Duranimal out. That's, right, that's fantastic. Right. That would help everything, yeah. and everybody would be happy. And well, and the other thing I've seen out there before is like an actual service that sends you clothes that you wear. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen those. They're I've too seen expensive. I, I can't. I'm not going to go that road. Uh, so I, my wife just does that. Uh, one other thing, <laughs> I thought this was interesting to throw at you because I know uh, you are a swimmer. Uh, mm -hmm. You're a guy that competed in all kinds of stuff. You were just telling me the other night that you actually uh, got pretty close to you know, one of those Olympic qualifying events. You were like right. a step mm -hmm. below that, uh, yeah. which is very impressive to me. Uh, so I wanted to ask you how hard you think this was. Uh, a dude who's an endurance swimmer uh, just swam 315 miles the entire length of the New York Hudson River in a month. He said it's a thing that he's been dreaming about. He finally accomplished it at 53 years old. Level of impressed. I'm like 10 out of 10, but for you, a guy who knows this better, uh, what do you feel? Well, I've got questions. Was he swimming <laughs> against the current, or was he with the current? I mean, I but but one. actually, that is that is a very very good yeah. accomplishment. Yeah, and it is hard. It's impressive either way. But sure. you're right. If he was actually fighting the current, it's way better. <laughs> I like that you're going to up the challenge. If well, he didn't course. do it against the current, he should do it again. Right. Yeah, He's okay. got to get the award both ways. It's <laughs> right. only half the award. Yeah, come on back, buddy. Let's do it again. Next year. I don't know. I'll figure that out. But I love that. Uh, thank you, Eric. The VFW in Peoria Heights is somewhere uh, people should go. It's somewhere I hang out a lot. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. What do you guys got coming up uh, tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow we've got uh, a little bit of cooking, and tomorrow we're taking a group of girls over to the uh, the Bradley University Division One softball game. Nice on That's our cool. VFW bus and give them experience. You have a lot of uh, softball teams that you sponsor in the area, Correct. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. cool. Uh, one of the many things the VFW and Peoria Heights yep. does to be, as I say, a very philanthropic um, uh, organization and a very fun a uh, bar to hang out in. A uh, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Live and local in the WMBD Radio Newsroom, I'm Will Stevenson. There's still some hope to save what remains of the building that housed the offices of Pekin Township, but there's just as much uncertainty. Cleanup of debris from the collapse of the building's south and west walls is now finished. Pekin Chief Building Official Nick McQuette says the building's future depends on the state of what remains of it. Items that we at the city have noticed uh, that are of great concern to us. Um, so once we have a better idea what the reports says uh, and a further inspection, then we'll have an idea where we're going to go with it.
McQuatt says the inspection report could be completed by tomorrow, the same day a meeting with city and township leaders will take place to discuss the next steps. He says there are structural and roof concerns with the building that will need to be addressed. More at WMBDRadio.com. House Republicans held a conference meeting this morning to lay out their agenda for the impeachment inquiry against President Biden and a roadmap to pass appropriations bills to fund the government. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy admits... He did get heated at times with some House Republicans. I showed frustration in here because I am frustrated with the committee. I'm frustrated with some people in the conference. Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates has threatened to call a vote on removing McCarthy from his role, accusing the Speaker of breaking an agreement he made with the House Freedom Caucus to earn the office. More at WMBDRadio.com. Just in, Peoria's Air National Guard base is one of four nationwide that will receive upgraded C-130 aircraft. That's according to the Air Force announcing today Peoria, Hartford, Connecticut, Great Falls, Montana, and Minneapolis Guard bases will get what are called C-130H aircrafts. Uh, they will be replaced with C-130Js, known as Super Hercules craft. That's pending the results of environmental studies. Each base, including the 182nd airlift wing, is expected to get eight of the aircraft. But a final decision won't be made until 2025. Nevertheless, Congressman Darren LaHood says in a news release that's good news, calling the 182nd one of the nation's premier C-130 units. WMBD News is brought to you by Presley's Outdoors. Deer season is just days away, and there's one place to prepare. Presley's Outdoors Archery Department. Plus, find tree stands, clothes, and more at Presley. Get you covered for less. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, we are still live at the Peoria, uh, or well, the Paradise Hotel and Casino. I don't know why I keep adding Peoria at the beginning there. I'm in the lobby of the ho- of the hotel part, and I'm uh, at the second annual Tamra Conference, which is totally free uh, now for the last half hour or so of the show, and then also the open bar, which is at 6 o'clock, Jonathan. Uh, for the open part. <laughs> All right, I, I lied about that. I mean, if it's coming out of your guys' budget, that's cool. I was pushing for it. No, it's not open. It's a it's a cash bar. You got to pay. Uh, but that does open very soon. And that guy is set up just down uh, from me in this hallway. He's staring at me. I'm staring at him. We're going to be fast friends very soon. Uh, you brought in one last guest for us to chat with. Uh, uh, our guest on the uh, line is uh, Zach Pringle, or sitting in front of me. Uh, is it Pringle? Is that actually your last name? Okay. Uh, you're nodding your head. Uh, do people ask you that question very often? Is your last name really Pringle? They sure do. Okay. It's an awesome last name. Uh, where where are you? What do you work with? What do you do? Uh, Iron Yoon is our company. Uh, we are a software artificial intelligence analytics company. Okay. Based here. I'm based here out of uh, the Chicagoland area. Nice. Our company is headquartered in Stanford, Connecticut. All right. So let me do this the backwards way of the way I've been doing it a bunch of times. Talk to me first about the importance of Tamra and your role with Tamra before we get more specific about what you do. Tamra is our integrator. Uh, we work very closely with them. They work with their customers right schools and corporate campuses uh, with our analytics and very much looking forward to enhancing that partnership Uh, we've been partnered up with them now for about five months six months and uh, yeah it was an interesting find actually I I vetted over I don't know 20 some odd different uh, analytics companies and they just wound up being everything that I've been looking for and how important is it to have all those different elements to what eventually is the, the total solution for someone in some of these worlds all under the same umbrella? It's very important, and it's very important as we move forward, right, with the landscape of our country and, and things that are happening. 
um, to have an open API, uh, which we are. We play nicely with everybody, and uh, it's a very- yeah. I, I feel like you just um, led me down a road that I want to go down, and I apologize if it's a little bit political, but I, I hope that you might be okay with it. Uh, I think that you might be okay with it. Um, uh, sometimes when we have these conversations, when we talk about these worlds that people don't understand, and there's a lot of things today that Jonathan, you've been teaching people. There's a lot of courses, all of them to demonstrate the capability or the you know right decision making in certain scenarios, all to get people more information. And so the biggest eye opener for me throughout being a part of this all day today is how much more is out there than we think is out there, and how many other solutions to those problems of today that we face uh, we don't discuss enough. And I feel like you guys are all together collectively a conduit to a very different solution to a, a very consistently discussed problem. Do you agree with that? I, yes, absolutely, 100%. How do we fix the, the knowledge component to all that, in your opinion? It's educating. It's educating It's stuff folks. like this? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And trade shows, you know, seminars. Experience education. centers. Yes, absolutely. What do you think are some of the roadblocks to people actually adopting these strategies and solutions to, to prevent the next horrible thing from being all over the news? I think people are fearful of uh, Big Brother, right? They look at analytics as a threat when really analytics is an enhancement, um, not only from a security standpoint, but from a business intelligence standpoint, from an operations standpoint. Sure. Right. You're- oh, one thing we don't talk about or we haven't been talking about enough is how we can use these analytics to count people in your in your parking lot to see if your employees are there, if you're full staffed, if you're near capacity. You can use analytics every single day. You don't have to just use it for this terrible experience that we're yeah. fearful of. Yeah, you can you can find you know more relevant uh, info. But okay, you said the thing about Big Brother a second ago. What do you do to someone who says that as an objection? They're like, "Well, I'm worried that people are going to think that we're trying to do this for this reason or whatever." Uh, how do you navigate some of those objections? You're using AI as an enhancement to secure. The goal is not to spy on people. No, the goal is never to spy on right. people. The goal is to have information when you need it. Absolutely. Okay, and that's, and that's the reality, a totally different thing. The reality of the situation is the camera's already there. Yeah, yeah. the cameras are all the cameras are in every single person's and, pocket now. And actually. I'll put it this way on the analytics. What's that really weird uh, analytic that you guys have that Tyler's so fascinated with that involves a cow? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Before you even answer this, I love this question. What is that analytic with a cow? We were asked by a, a farmer uh-huh. who wanted an analytic to alert when their cow was in labor. Okay. <laughs> um, because unbeknownst right. to me at the time, a cow, even if a cow is in labor, yeah. will stand up if anybody comes into the barn. Gotcha. So when the cow was in labor... We created that analytic based off of images and video footage uh-huh. to create that analytic. Then when the calf was born, it would trigger an alert to sure. the farmer yep. that, hey, it's okay to go into the barn. Did you so, believe that was a real request when it first came in, or did you think it was a joke? My colleagues and I actually thought it was a joke. I figured, yeah. <laughs> but, like I needed, And you figured out how to do that. Was that very hard? No, it was not very hard at okay. all. Okay, so you can do this custom solutions for any of that stuff. If people come in. Yeah, I love that. That's the example that I can customize this to yep, anybody. Yep. I can tell you if a cow's popping out a baby cow. That's the mitigation side of things. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, before <laughs> I let you both go, Jonathan, anything else you want us to know about? Uh, at least what else is going on here? It is totally free now, and it's an, it's not an open bar. It's a cash bar. Cash bar. I keep yeah. telling myself the other thing. Okay, 
Uh, but is there anything else we should know? Well, I mean, uh, we've got some door prizes to give away if oh. you want to try to do that. Yeah, let's do that live on the radio. All right. Well, All right, cool. There you go. Here's All right. The, uh, All right. I, so I pull this out, and yeah. this person won It's going to something. win a j- battery jump pack from Westco. Wow. wow. Uh, uh, Jake has just won that from uh, Creve Core. Um, I can give out a little bit more information if you want. I'm not sure I can read that handwriting perfectly for that last name. Jake Y. It says from Yoakum. Yoakum. Okay, jo- Jake Yoakum. Congratulations on that, man. All right. Next one. I love that I'm giving these prizes away like this. Cool. Yeah, Let's sure. do it. Next uh, one. Next prize. What is the prize? It is a gift bag from Idis. Kayla Woods. Congratulations, Kayla. I wish the people were in the audience. I feel like this should be the come on down moment. Yeah, Kayla sure. Woods just won that. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, that one's got a gift card in it of some sort, I believe. Wow. How many more prizes? We got a television up next. Okay. Uh, Craig Collins won the Tennessee Craig. That's great. <laughs> That's how that works. Man, it's, I'm not in there. Okay, fine. Uh, Brian Howard uh, looks to have won that television. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Right. Very congrats. Or no, actually, I think I'm reading that wrong. Becky Howard. I'm sorry, oh. to Brian. Oh, it appears to be Becky. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was trying to be 2023. I was trying to be woke about it. No, I'm good. kidding. I'm kidding. That's a terrible joke. Um, what's the next prize? So this is a Maui Gym All Access uh, card, and uh, I guess it's up to like 400 some dollars in Maui Gym sunglasses wow. from uh, our friends at Pearl Technology. 400 bucks in Maui Gym sunglasses yep. goes to Nelson Mitchell. Nelson Mitchell of Pekin. Nelson Mitchell. All Congratulations, right. man. That was awesome. That was great. And Perfect. then uh, I don't see the prize for me. Still. No, so, yeah, well. Uh, and then Craig Collins won the open the, bar. The, That's crazy. <laughs> yes. Craig Collins won the bar tab. Got it. <laughs> no, we said that wrong. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBDs. There's only a little bit of time left. Come on down to the uh, Paradise Hotel and Casino, the hotel part, and hang out for the ending of the Tamra second annual conference. Totally free until the end of the show. All right, quick break. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show, live remote. Uh, thrilled to be here for the second annual conference for Tamra at the Paradise Hotel and Casino. Uh, all my remote friends are also here, not just Jonathan Jurgens who put the whole thing on, but Eric Thurman of the VFW, who's been at all of my remotes now as a buddy who's hanging out. And Betty, my yes, wife, is here. Yes, I'm here for the support. At the of end you guys. of the show, you Jonathan almost didn't. Is here. Uh, Eric is here. Terrence. You almost didn't come. You just said a second ago, you're like, I, I really didn't want to go. And yeah. now, but now you're here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I need to be there to help you with the cable. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because like... I gotta, I gotta break all this down. Yeah. Actually, we yeah. have an awesome uh, husband and wife team somewhere out there that are gonna help us break all this down too. Oh, nice. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's husband and wife, husband and wife. Yeah. We're gonna, okay. Great. Uh, I have some stupid things <laughs> to talk to you about, Betty. First, and then you'll give us the word of the day. Uh, which you're teaching Central Illinois Spanish one word at a time, and I never pronounce them correctly. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. I thought you were going to lie. You got to try. I'm, I try as hard as I can. <laughs> yeah. All right. First, this. Uh, so a husband apparently convinced his wife and their three kids to live in a tent for a year. Uh, this is a real story. Uh, they're in Australia, so apparently they live very close to a beach. They have cookouts on the beach. They you know, do all kinds of crazy things. The guy says he's loved it. The guy's name is Ty. He's 35. His wife, 32. Not as much loving of it uh, so far, so they're probably going to stop their living on a beach thing. Uh, but he's encouraged a lot of people to do this at some point in their life, uh, live for a few months or maybe longer, uh, not in a house but somewhere else. Betty, how do you respond to that? Well, that sounds lovely. You, you would want to do this? Oh, well, no, it's a tent. You just I, don't, I think this is actually a very cheap way to live uh, next to a beach. Well, yeah, I never try, but, I mean, knowing like- uh, Eric and Terrence and all the... Uh, Veterans and the military people, they, could train they, us? they do, they, okay. they, they live, they that's not, did that in, in the field, you you're know right. what I mean? That's not the answer I expected you to know, give, but, but you <laughs> said that the veterans could train us to do it yes, and then we'll do yes, it. All right, yes. cool. That's not where I thought that was going to go. 
Uh, also, uh, in this moment, I usually do good story, bad story. You listen yeah. to the show a lot, yeah. uh, so you know. Uh, I'm glad that I'm going to do good stories with you because I think you'll just really like the good stories. So the first one, a 79-year-old guy uh, with dementia recently got scammed out of his entire life savings. This is in Australia. That's not the good That's story part. Bad. Someone Bye. tricked him into giving them his bank account information and stole half a million dollars. The good news, they decided that they should have caught it before the account was drained, and the bank gave him back all his money. So the bank essentially uh, gifted money to a, a terrible criminal, uh, but also decided that this guy, it's not right. You shouldn't lose your money. So at 79, he got every single penny back. That's awesome. You're very happy yeah, about that, I'm yeah. sure, yes. Of course, imagine like being at that age when you are supposed to be like just Take, chilling yeah. at home, retiring, right. and suddenly you lost. You got nothing. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. And you're very afraid of me doing something dumb or us doing something and someone stealing uh, stuff from our bank or, or somehow oh my some God. of that things. Yes, 100%, right? Okay, yeah. yes. And right. nowadays with all the social media and all the scams that you get, text message that mm-hmm. saying like, uh, Click here. We are going to help you to win something. And suddenly... You ask me all the time if the text and emails you get are real. All the time. Yeah, and they're not They're no, not real. Yeah, no, none of them. The IRS doesn't ask you for your Social Security number yes, to be emailed back. Exactly. Yeah, that's not yeah. something good. Okay. Uh, 1994, a pilot for Southwest Airlines is another good story. Uh, his name is Ruben. Took a photo with a, a young uh, son of his uh, as a co-pilot, as a, a bit of a joke. 30 years later, his son has now become a pilot, too, and they recently flew a flight together. Uh, like father, like son, kind of a cool thing. The photo went viral all over social media. Uh, people love to see uh, one photo next to the other of the little kid turning into a pilot all on his own. That you love that great. story yeah. too? Okay, yeah. yeah. You have like a great story, script. Well, thank you, Betty. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that <laughs> you did your homework well. Now I'll do the bad story. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Just so one or two? I think I'm just going to do one. Yes, Can you handle two one. bad stories? No. You no, feel no, like not a no, two bad no, story no. person? Not yeah. at the end of your show. Or ever for you, I think. All right. Uh, this is the bad story. So uh, police in New Hampshire were uh, doing a car chase uh, with a guy who had stolen a vehicle. And at some point, the guy, I guess, veered in a certain direction and he crashed. He's OK. Everybody's fine. Nobody yeah. got hurt. He crashed into the police station, the place in which like he was trying to run away from the cops. Oh, my God. So my favorite part of this story is not only did he crash into the place that they were going to bring you to eventually anyway. When he got out, he tried to kind of attack some people. So they tased him and then he dropped down onto the ground and then they just picked him up and brought him inside. No one had to put him in another car or put him anywhere else. So he crashed into the place he definitely didn't want to be. Of course. Like, uh, probably the police officer's like, Yo, well, we didn't have to do anything else. Yeah, like, he's right out. here. We don't have to even drive or chase him. Yeah, the end of this got pretty easy for us. It got pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. All right, that's good story, bad story. Do you have anything you want to share in the world of good story, bad story? Do you have anything you Not like? Not really. I okay. was just uh, thinking now that you put me on the line to think about my word of the day. So... uh you guys were talking about a lot about guns and yes. like uh, uh, licenses and all that stuff. Yes. So I just have two words. Very easy for you, Craig. All right. Pistola y rifle. Uh, you know that that's not easy for me. You just said that that's two words that are very easy for me. And she's very happy. She just smiled to everybody around here. And she's waving that's at people. Did you just wave at people now being <laughs> yes. like, yeah, look at how it's bad Michael. I just stumped Craig another in this moment. Friend, another okay. friend. What does that mean? Uh, pistola. Yeah, that's a pistol. Mm, rifle. Uh, pistol and rifle is what you're saying. All yes. right, give me both words in Spanish one more time. Pistola y rifle. Pistola y rifle. Yes. Did I get it? 
Yes. All right, good. I'm very talented then. That's Pistola what I thought. Pistola y rifle. Yeah. All right, that's good. Uh, that's the Betty word of the day, uh, teaching us Spanish words. one word at a time or two. <laughs> Why not? We'll do it however we want. we still got a few minutes left. Do you have time for a couple more things, Look at Betty? Michael. He's showing all his, like, uh, guns. And, oh, nice. Like, uh, he's, he's well prepared. Yeah, uh, Betty, that's not a gun. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel, well, I feel very... It looks like a gun. I feel very worried about you. Know, <laughs> I, it came out of a holster that looked like it was a gun, but that looks like it's a very small little scissor for weeds. But, were you doing some like gardening at some point here? Uh, you can sit down too. MT, uh, MT is a friend of ours from uh, 22VA, uh, an exhibit that's actually on display all the time at the VFW. How you doing, man? Super great, but I'm getting better. Okay, that's nice. nice better than super great's yep. got to be good, right? Uh, were you just gardening at some point today? Is that why you have that? I'm, I'm always gardening. I've got a farm. I've got stuff to do. I've I don't got... know why I felt like that was. I was, was a drug actually reference. trimming hooves on some goats today. Oh, really? I had three baby goats born yesterday. Wow! Oh my God! Congrats, three baby. Yeah, that, that just made everybody very happy. <laughs> yeah, three baby goats. goats. All right. Um, uh, I have a story, but now it feels inappropriate with MT here. Uh, the uh -oh. Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, there are things that go into a Hall of Fame for toys. Were you a toy kid as a kid or no? No. I feel like you weren't. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was a straight no to me, too. You're like, not even a little bit. What did you do? What did young MT do? Yeah. Uh, fishing, hunting, stuff like okay. that. Okay. I'm getting uh, ready to go craft, catch some turtles right now. So. From what age were you fishing and hunting? Um, I don't know. I think my a dad. Little? Real my little? My dad took me out to teach me to swim, threw me in the river when I was like four, maybe. Okay. That's, oh, my God. That's an awesome story. I don't have that story in my no. arsenal. That's, that's pretty cool. That uh, I, I don't remember when I learned how to swim. I grew up across the street from the ocean. But I didn't do any of that other cool stuff. Uh, Betty, did you have a lot of toys growing up or no? No, I was okay. like this a This segment is teacher. terrible for everyone yes, that's sitting no. down with me. This is the worst topic I could go the with. First Anybody in I the saw... audience have any toys that they liked a lot? Anybody? Yeah, Yell something out. Did you ever play with the lawn jart MTV? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got some right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I have car? some on my porch. Actual really? jarts. Yeah. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, Betty, do you know what those are? No, I don't. Okay, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, and it probably shouldn't be. A lawn jart was the most dangerous toy given to a child, I think, at one point, because it was really just a giant dart spear thing that you just threw up in the air, and then it landed down in the lawn. You played darts in a way, and kids did this. I did this. Yeah. That today, a parent would go insane if they saw a kid holding one of these. How you, how you say it? What is the name? A lawn jart. Is this like a piece of wood with like a string? Like sure. No, like not exactly. No, yeah. then... It's a giant metal, um, uh, you know, sharp thing that you All throw. Right. It's like those darts we play in the, the bar, but much bigger and for your lawn. Oversized. Everybody, everybody's now explaining oh, this to God. Betty. No, that's, this that sounds like yeah. dangerous. But this is MT's favorite toy. I don't know if it's in well, the whole no, thing. Well, no, Michael, oh, yeah. I can't be. picture him yeah. playing with Yeah, that he probably kind of used stuff. lawn jarts to fish, I imagine, at some point. <laughs> yes. um, uh, the things that are finalists for the Hall of Fame, you're going to like this, actually, MT, because it's relevant to something you and I talk about a lot. Baseball cards is one of the things that is going into the Hall of Fame, finally, as the toy goes. The board game Battleship, Bingo. Bop It, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Those are the uh, entries this year. Uh, congratulations to all involved. MT has stopped caring entirely. Uh, what are you doing on the phone? Uh, no, I was looking up jarts for it, okay. but actually I, I skinned out a chipmunk one time and made a bearskin rug for my sister's ba uh, Barbie doll house. You made <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have no words. I can't. I have There's nothing I can say in response to that. All right. That's probably a good or bad story, depending on who you are there. Um, all right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, this is the last one. Actually, you have dogs. Uh, you can jump in on this one, too, MT. Certainly. Uh, apparently, 60% of dog owners think their dogs have a better social life than they do. Do you agree with that, yes or no? Uh, I don't know. My goats think they're dogs, so, so and your work? dogs yeah. hang out with That's your dogs? Hang out with that them, feels yeah. like a social yeah. life. Yeah, what about you, Betty? Do you think that dogs have better social lives than we do? Our dog used to go to um, the the um, puppy daycare well, all the time. It depends on the breed. I think. Yeah. 
If it's I said nice... hello the way my dog says hello to people, I'd be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> the bar isn't even open yet. And these are the things MT's saying on the radio. Thank you, buddy. Uh, no this problem, is man. I got Greg you. Collins live at, at Tamar for the last time ever, as I'm probably fired after the show today. No, no. no I'm kidding. Well, blame Jonathan, it all on MT. What is Jonathan? Yeah, blame it. And actually, we still have the Greg and Dan poster up over there. So yeah, this is the Greg yeah. and Dan show. You That's what Greg, I'll say. Greg. It's not us. Yeah, we're not doing this. All right. Uh, it's been uh, awesome to be out here. I've been thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, MT, uh, before I, I get out of here, 22VA, how do people look it up? How do people check it out? Uh, just do hashtag 22VA on Facebook. You see a lot of stuff we're doing. We're doing a river cleanup on cool. Saturday with Peoria Park District. And cool. uh, we're going to be making some sculptures out of things we find. Awesome. Uh, it's something people should and need to check out, need to see because of how cool it is. Uh, one, for the veterans who are actually creating the art and all the different you know cathartic aspects of that. And two, the art itself is, is really moving. Betty, you love so many things on display right now at the yeah. BFW and Peoria yeah, they do great made job. by those. Yes. yes. And I, it's cool that you group them into sections for each individual person and the pieces that they've made. All right. Uh, we're out of here. End of the show. Dave Ramsey coming up next. Will's got your news. 1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM. All over the Internet, WMBDradio.com is another great way to listen to us if you don't have a radio handy. See you guys.